Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of craft beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead. And I am Nathan from Nathan Does Beer. And welcome to episode 153 of Beer Another Shit, the podcast adjunct series. Nathaniel, we are bringing it to the hometown tonight. Yes, we are in the hammer tonight. You're damn right we are. And right before we talk about that, actually, I just want to mention these things right here. So we have had BOS merch that people would have seen Nate is wearing right now, and I am wearing this right now. And um, basically, we have this website. It's just like on this print-on-demand site called spring.com. So the link is always in the description of basically every YouTube video since we did it. And uh, the other day, I was like, oh, my hat was getting all like, I'd want it so much at festivals. It was all kind of like getting mash up. And I looked into getting it cleaned, and it was as much to get a new one as it was to get it cleaned. And then I realized that like they'd taken the hat link down. So then I remade it, and I actually got hats in multiple different colors now. And it's so so much more fire. So I made them in uh, camo, gray, and then this one in black. And you can see I put the little BOS logo on the top of the back of the snapback there. Um, they have that on these as well. And um, they also say get it in yet, where before they didn't say get it in yet because they had like stricter rules on the, the file for the um, for the embroidering. But um, yeah, these are on the website. It's uh, once again, link in description of the YouTube video. The hats are, are sick. I'm so happy with them. They came out cool because it was cool having black, but now we've got these other ones and we don't really push merch or anything like that. It's not a massive thing for us because it's just a little side thing. But if uh, there's a bunch of t-shirts, I ordered some, they take a while. That's the only thing. The hats actually took like like five days, but the t-shirts and stuff is probably like two weeks, three weeks. Uh, it was not that bad, I guess, but they, because they print them and then send them in sort of order. Um, so I'm excited to get all the different merch. So if anyone's interested in that and want to look drippy for the holiday season, I would highly recommend that. Um, so yes, in uh, Hamilton, we haven't spoken to all the breweries yet, which is something on my list to do, just you know, being based out here. I think it's super cool to chat with the breweries in, in town because we have a really vibrant scene. Um, and it's 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 really cool to sort of get to know the stories from everybody. And I've been to most of the places here. And this brewery now, I've been there twice. Uh, we we hung out the other day last week, catching up. And uh, these guys are like legendary here in Hamilton. They're hugely popular and uh, have a great reputation. Really, really cool tap room and make some some of the most awarded beers in the country. So, mate, I'm excited to get into it. Nathaniel, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. So, guys, please welcome Brad Clifford. From Clifford Brewing in the building. Welcome, hey, sir. How's it going? Welcome, sir. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. It is an honor and a pleasure, man. Thank you for hanging out. Um, long time coming. I know we'd spoken for many years, and um, I think we were talking about doing this back in the day when I was when we were still doing it in person. Probably must have been 2019 or something from memory. So it's, yeah, uh, or 2020 or oh, maybe it was 19. Yeah, that's the only reason I say 2019 because it could have been early 2020. Yeah, yeah, so kind of a blur. Yeah, mm. <laughs> it truly is, man. But uh, thank you so much for hanging out and um, super excited to to get into the beers and to get into some stories here and hear a lot more about what you guys have been doing and your experience in Hamilton and uh, and the whole thing. So, first things first, shall we crack a brew? Let's do it. All righty. Uh, tell us what we're starting with, brother. Whoops, wrong one. 
I figured we'd start with uh, East Hamilton Lager. Boom. Yeah. That. Yes, you got the East Ham. Oh, At the yeah. brewery, we, we call it either East Ham or EHL. EHL. Just, yeah. I mean, that I makes like sense. East Ham. I like East Ham. EHL is kind of cool too. It's like a you know like IPL, like a style or something. Yeah. So um, uh, yeah, man, tell us about this bad boy. EHL essentially it's a German pilsner. Okay. Uh, the German pills that I'd been brewing. Actually, one of the first beers I ever made, or early, early days of brewing, was I, when I was a home brewer, I liked to brew lagers. And the German Pilsner was one that uh, that I regularly brewed. Right. It's a super, super simple recipe. Uh, really, you're just looking at, like, German Pilsner base malt and Hollertau hops. Lots of Hollertau middle fruit hops. Hell yeah. And just a super nice, crisp, easy drinking pills. German Beautiful. pills, because nice. it's got that little bit more sulfate bitterness to it. Okay. Uh, what, the big reason to do a German pills is really the water here in Ontario is better suited to that oh, style. Really? Lot, yeah, it's a lot more difficult to make a softer, uh, like a textile pills. And what what's so it's specifically um, just, just water chemistry is the, the main reason? Yeah, that and I just like German pills. <laughs> <laughs> there what you is go. The main difference between a German and a Czech pills? Uh, the hop additions, hop the malt and hop. Yeah, okay. just the ingredients, really. It's the same okay. brewing. Uh, largely, well, when you get into Czech pilsners, you get into decoction mashes. And uh, so there are differences in that, in that respect. Gotcha. But, okay. Uh, yeah, so the East Hamilton Lager, it was actually one of the first beers that was actually brewed in Hamilton because my earlier recipes were all brewed in Toronto when I lived in Toronto and started there. Uh, we'll get into that later. But when I got the brewery on Nash Road North, uh, I was like, all right, like the first beer needs to be an easy drinking beer that probably you know would have more appeal to a broader audience in Hamilton. And then I thought, oh, what if you know we put Hamilton in the name? And then mm. what if we put the Hamilton skyline on the can? Well, not, not exactly the, the part of the skyline that's, uh, you know, really, you know, the most appealing part of Hamilton to some, the, yes. the industrial Belco skyline. You know, the, the, the Hamilton that most people see when they drive over the, uh, the Burlington Bridge. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. A little flame highway. thing, too. <laughs> I love it. Um, gentlemen, first things first, cheers. Cheers. Get that in you. Mm. Hell yeah. Yeah, man. Great malty nose. Super bready. Balanced. Mm. Smooth. Yeah. Nice and spicy. Like that kind of yeah. like a little peppery in there. Yeah, the spiciness from uh yeah. Uh try to use uh Hollertown middle fruit. Middle fruit hops, actually, I don't know if you heard the hops in really low yields in uh, in Europe over the last year. So middle fruit right. is actually quite difficult to get. Uh, we have to contract it, and there's only a small amount of it available. Oh. So everyone, it's kind of funny, it's because like the hops like uh, Fuggle and middle fruit and Hollertow, everyone's fighting to get those now. Meanwhile, there's piles of Citra and uh, Simcoe <laughs> and all those hops that you couldn't get with Galaxy. They're everywhere now. Right. Right. But we have to contract the boring hops that nobody wanted five years ago. What what's <laughs> what's up with that? 
Yeah, it's just the hop shortages, uh, the, the the yields over in Europe. So it's just the yield. That's the only reason. It's yeah, not, the yields. There's okay. not enough of it. Yeah, I, I was going to say. I, I was thinking on top of that, the uh, maybe the popularity or increased popularity popularity uh, of the style. The combination of those two, yeah, I'm sure with the rise in the popularity of lagers, now there's a lot more people buying those hops. You know, back like say 2012, 14, 15. Like they were the cheaper hops. There was plenty of them, right? Right. So, Interesting. So it's just funny how the tables have turned. Like I was talking to another brewer about that. We were actually laughing. Like who would have thought you'd be having to contract these hops? Right? <laughs> They're sought after now. Where wow, the hops that we all like Citra is everywhere. You can get Citra. Where there was a time where Citra was like really difficult to get your hands on. Gotcha. Right. Yeah, that makes. I mean, that makes sense. I guess. Was it how many years was it a low yield? Was it just this recent harvest that was low, or or last year? I guess uh, last year. So I guess it was the twenty. I think twenty two was the first year. Twenty one or twenty two, where there was the really low yield, where basically like we we contract our hops actually through Hops Connect, so. Bob Latimer, who's our the guy I buy hops from, have for 10 years. He's kind of a legend in the industry himself. He came to me and basically said, like, you're gonna want to contract middle through uh like right now if if you want some for next year. Wow. That's yeah. that's crazy. I mean, this it would probably make sense if you're doing stuff like this regularly. This particular beer um has that one is this would would you consider this like a flagship of sorts? Oh yeah, absolutely. East cool. Hamilton. Yeah. It's become the flagship up there with Pinball Porter. In fact, we sell probably our biggest seller in Hamilton. Absolutely. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Is it on uh, on draft a lot? Around? Yep, it no? is. Yeah. Yep. So it was like one of the first beers on draft at the brewery. We've always had it on draft. Uh, draft like some pubs around the city, some bars. Uh, yeah. Okay. But then we started making then the chain link Vienna lager, the crusher, the Czech lager. Uh, so now there's got some competition with other lagers that we make. Yeah, that's good. Balances out the portfolio a little bit. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I think it's great that this is uh, like that. This is a mainstay because this is fantastic. The uh, I'm also getting like a slight bit of um, kind of lemon rind bitterness to it and mm. also just finishing super super dry it's uh like i start like i was parched before like, like before this and uh like <laughs> this is just drying out my palate so much that i just keep taking another sip i can't help it i love it yeah it does have a pretty uh yeah the finishing gravity is pretty low on it mm. uh yeah we use a, a, a german house yeast uh, a pretty common german strain that we use for pretty much all our lockers that's great, man. And uh, it's it's very versatile. Usually, we keep repitching it, keeping it going for like sometimes as many as eight, ten generations. Oh wow! Because uh, we've almost always got a logger going. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, like, when I, I was going to say when I was a home brewer, actually, when I started out, like a lot of people, loggers were kind of my thing. I loved brewing loggers because uh, really, you just brew them like any other beer. It's really. People think, oh, it must be really difficult to make a lager. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's just another beer. Uh, but the secret's in temperature control, right? Mm. So, but and when you're a home brewer, yes, temperature control can be very difficult. Uh, 
but I used to find creative ways of like putting the carboy in like a bath of like ice and stuff. Ah, I've seen yeah. um my me and my friend my old co-host Scott he used to we, we used to homebrew together but he had the setup so he turned like one of the like just a regular bar fridge into a kegerator so like you drill the thing in the top and you have the the tap out of it but he was able to put his um like the cowboys in the fridge and then have that temp like he hacked the electronics to make a temperature control type of yeah then set it around so, like fourteen Celsius. Uh, a lot of people think too, like you need to ferment lagers. Well, like, and you can, but some you can ferment lagers as warm as like 16 Celsius, and they still turn out really nice, really crisp. Right. Uh, we tend to like to start the out like around 14 and a half, fifth, then 16, 17, and then with near fermentation, we just let it warm right up to to uh, ambient temperature, 20 Celsius or so. Which is really good for essentially a diacetyl rest. It'll it'll make sure it uh, the yeast consumes any diacetyl. Gotcha, diacetyl. That, that, that butterscotch, you know, that yeah, yeah, what's yeah. what you don't want in your beer. No. <laughs> I've yeah. heard that that term diacetyl rest. So that is when the yeast eats it, <clears> so <throat> that there's none of it remaining in the beer, which is the off flavor. Yes, because fermentation creates diacetyl, but then the yeast will then consume it as well. Gotcha. So at warmer temperatures, they'll begin to consume it. Gotcha. Uh, That's great. So, yeah. So the you know the secret with a good lager is really temperature control, but we like to give it a big long diacetyl rest to make sure there's no chance of any diacetyl. Obviously, t- trying it along the way a lot right. uh, before we cold crash it. We essentially just drop the temperature and then and then lager it. Let it sit in the okay. tank. How long would you lager it for? Uh, it depends uh, what our inventory is like. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> ideally, uh, ideally four to five weeks. Okay. Uh, we've lagered some as, as long as six to eight weeks. Uh, and yeah, so I'd say the East Hamilton, we try to do at least four uh, other lagers, but it's been five or six oh. at times. Is there a point of like diminishing returns? I think we were talking about this recently, Nate. I think with True History, weren't we? About the that's right. Like, is there a point that you've discovered, and maybe this is varies brewery to brewery or even beer to beer, as far as like if you let it go past X number of weeks, there's no real difference. Like, there's like an optimal type of thing. Hmm, that's a very good question. I, I haven't really like done the research into it. Really, I don't. I would say probably once you get much past like the four to five weeks, you need a pretty a pretty trained palate to really detect it. I don't think the average person would really be would probably notice. Uh, mm-hmm. But it might be one of those things that's kind of more subconscious, right? I don't know. This one just tastes better, right? Because it's a little, it's just it's that much longer, that much longer. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I I don't think there's from what. Well, we were talking, I don't think there's sort of some sort of agreed upon like X amount of weeks uh, is the perfect time because maybe a Vienna would differ, you know, be different than a Dunkel or Schwarzbier or, you know, German lager, et cetera. So I don't know if there's, I, I think it's an interesting question because it came up. We're like, huh, I wonder if there is. Because usually. I think it definitely, yeah, like, it changes with the, the style of beer because obviously say like a Dunkel, like the dark malt in there changes the flavors. Uh 
Yeah, because again, there's so many a Bach, for instance. Uh, you know that all that caramel malt and like caramel flavor, but probably a good yeah, like a little longer, a few more weeks. Like eight is probably going to taste a little better than six. But then once you go past eight weeks, probably like that's two months. I don't think you want to lie. Yeah, most brewers can't leave it in their tank longer than two months. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a long and long time for a beer that's sort of going to be crushed pretty quickly. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, yeah, that needs to be kind of. But it will, uh, like, the beer will develop in the can too, right? Like, like when it, once a beer is packaged, as long as it's packaged very carefully, uh, you know, under like a bed of CO two and very low dissolved oxygen, uh, then that beer in the can is just another vessel, right? Like I look at it like that's the yeah your primary vessel, your secondary, your bright, your third is the can. Mm. And the can, as long as it's nice and cold, the beer is just going to get better in the can. Good point. Yeah, yeah, I never thought about that. It gets better for a while. And then, of course, if the can's left out warm or, you know, probably after a couple months, the beer, it's kind of, it's reached, it's hit its prime and now it's going down, right? It's not. Right. Yeah. For a lager, what, what would be the average amount of time do you think that they're good for? Oh. Because you know, like New England IPAs, like I, we talk about this a bunch. Yeah. Like I'm a, ty- I like them fresh. I like them super fresh. Usually one to three oh, yeah. weeks is is good. Some people t- tell me I'm crazy, and they're like, "Oh man, I'll drink a two month old New England IPA, no problem." But I prefer not to do that. But lagers, I've noticed. I had one the other night actually on the weekend that I got in April in Virginia, and it was great. Yeah, it, it was, was great. Fun. Yeah, because yeah. that's what six months old, seven months. Yeah, I was going to say even I've had one that's like 10 months old, even like approaching a year old, that's still perfectly drinkable, still tastes great. Now, that's largely because if it's well packaged with a very low dissolved oxygen, because uh, when you're packaging, there's always, you know, and even when you're moving beer from tank to tank, there's always like a little bit of uh, oxygen pickup, right? Like Mm -hmm. parts per billion is what we measure it in. And that any little bit of oxygen will begin to degrade the beer, uh, whether it's in a tank transfer or in the can. So your packaging makes a huge difference on the, how the freshness of the, the product will be for long term. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, totally. I, I don't know why all these little small questions about that. I've always just wondered. I feel like once again, same with the resting time. I there was no sort of agreed upon time for the optimal, you know, when a lager would maybe start to not be the greatest. Cause I know, you know, if you look at like the macros, they'll have like, they don't have canned or whatever or package date. They'll have like a best before date. And usually yeah, that's like a year or two, probably because of the preservatives and stuff in, in those type of products, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, like a beer that, you know, we package or anyone packages and, it goes and sits on the LCB in, on an LCBO shelf or any shelf oh, warm yeah. for a month or so. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not going to help the beer. No. But people also think, oh, if it gets warm, I can't drink it. I've heard that. It's like, no, it, it's fine for it to be warm for a little while. Just chill it. It'll still be good. Yeah. Uh, but the longer it sits warm, the more it's not going to be, you know, it's almost like the beer is never going to be, well, it can be bad, but it's it's a scale, right? And yeah. uh, you want it at 10, but I mean, if it goes down to seven, it's still a pretty good beer. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I wonder if it's on the, on the palate of the drinker too. 
Like maybe you would be pickier about your own beers, for example, and you would know the difference between a fresh month-old product and a six-month-old one. You'd probably be able to tell that, imagine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And it's yeah. Well, we we don't do this a lot, but we probably should start doing it. I know some breweries like they purposely they hold back beers like from every production run, and then they do a tasting of them, uh, where they taste each batch and kind of see how uh, you know how it's holding up. Basically, do you guys do that? Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes honestly, when we're entering beers and. Like for awards, there's been times where, oh, we got three batches of porter. Let's try them all. Pick the best one. Interesting. Uh, Do you have a notice? Got one. And honestly, often the older batches, the batches three or four months old, is the best tasting one. Interesting. What do you think that is? Uh, just the way the malt, it's it's developed and aged in the can. Because, again, the can is just another vessel for the for the beer, and it's kept cold. Right. And right. Uh, just the malt flavors of kind of uh, the aging process, as you know, similar to bar- barrel aging, uh, but without any barrels. You know, just uh, it's, it's the reason, you know, <laughs> the reason we, like, you sell our beer, right, is to mm. see how it tastes. I know yeah. some breweries, what do they call that? Vertical flights where they, yeah, vertical. Was, yeah, brewery in Portland that used to do like, like, oh, what is it? Dog something. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but they did like four or five years and you could order every year and try it side that's by side. A, I think that was a, man. I think that was a barley wine actually. So a beer that's made to be aged. Right. No, that yeah. makes sense. I know you guys did one night with Noah and me and him did one like, I mean, the very first time I did one was on the pod. Like I'm like 2017. Our friend is uh, one of the main beer writers in Quebec, Noah Forrest from Beerism, and he brought over what's the dark saison from Judas Ciel? Um, isn't it like Nico something? That's the one. That one. Yeah. Uh, each, yeah, I can't, like I can't remember the whole name. name. And we did like mm-hmm. a four year vertical, but he had to drive, otherwise he would have brought more. So we just did four. And I think you guys did that of uh, Peche Motel. Yeah, yeah, we did a Peche Mortel at his place. Yeah, that's that would be a great beer to do it with. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the thing with those, you need buddies. You can't be doing them bad boys alone. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you said, they're all aged. They're all aged beers, so that means they're all typically large. You know, the higher ABV. So like, you you need a bit of a party. Excuse me to to bust that out. And um, I think verticals are awesome. They're super fun. I think it'd be fast. It's, it's like it must be tough to sell that i guess as a brewery because i don't know if you're able to like how would you do a flight you'd have to have a minimum four people because if you're going to bust open a, a bottle which i imagine they're not cans probably bottles pour them but you know what i mean like it'd probably be a, a pricey exercise for folks but fun yeah that's oh yeah hell yeah man um so do we want to I know we sort of uh, we got a bunch of beers to get through. I, I I'm really enjoying this. God damn it! Um, do we yeah, want to so sort good. Of move to the next one? Do you want to just finish this since we're close and then go to the next one? What are we feeling? <laughs> yeah, why don't we? Um, well, you know what? We like we, we can flip back a little bit. I feel like we should probably crack the next one and then get into Brad's beer story. Okay, that works. So. Because we sort of had a bit of an order, I mean, I, I, you guys did it when I was uh, dealing with some tech stuff. Did you guys decide what the the next one should be? 
or are we, we actually only we actually only picked out the first one uh brad do you have a thought uh what we should crack open next uh why don't we do pinball wizard Ooh, okay. all right let's do it actually pinball kind of ties into the whole uh the story story oh yeah <laughs> Uh, perfect. So, yeah, because this has been this has been one of the mainstays for about the longest, I think. Right? Yes, it has. Yeah. Have you had this one, Nate? Uh, I think I have had this one before, although it's been a few years since the last time I've had it. Yeah, I'm not okay. That makes sense. I'm I'm not sure. Oh, this is I haven't. How is that even possible? Maybe I just forgot to check stuff in, but it's okay. Um, so this is an American uh, pale ale at 5.7%. Uh, love a good APA. Both Nathaniel and I are big fans of the style. Yeah. The um, So this was – was this – obviously the, the East Ham Lager was, is one of the original beers. Like you said, the, the first main one that was, wasn't brewed in Toronto. Is that right? And it was the first one brewed out here? Yeah. Well, actually uh... – I first brewed this beer at, I guess I came up with the name when I was, uh, you know, a home brewer. Uh, so this is going back around 2010, 2011. Uh, I was living in Toronto. That's kind of when I was still brewing beer just on my stove at home. I was living in a condo on Richmond Street. Oh, yeah. Uh, by myself. I was single at the time, so <laughs> I could turn my place into a mini brewery. With, uh, <laughs> No one taking issue with it. I love it. Uh, and uh, I, the opportunity came up where I uh, actually started. Well, I wanted, I knew I wanted to do more with beer, basically, than just you know, make it for myself mm -hmm. or for friends' parties. And so uh, the opportunity came up to brew at a a small beer bar, basically that was opening called Get Well in Toronto uh on uh dundas street and one of the owners was kind of a friend that i'd, I'd made friends with at a, a beer club and uh basically he was looking to do something kind of cool we we're kind of trying to do what barvola was doing at the time where they, you know they made their own house ales house beers uh so i put together a small nano brewery like a two heck brew system uh that we set up in the back of the bar and uh, that's where uh, basically, you know, I started making Porter, Pinball Wizard, uh, an English Ale, I, even the German Pills, uh, basically just all the, the beers that I had homebrewed before. Right. So they were available there on tap for, uh, for a couple of years. Uh, and I, I'd, I'd go in there and brew about once a week and, uh, you know, and spend another day cleaning and doing stuff. So it wasn't my full-time job. I worked a full-time job. Uh, I actually used to work in the printing industry. I worked on Bay Street for a financial printer. Oh, no way. That's about as boring as it sounds. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were brewing at Getwell, were they uh, Clifford-branded beers or were they Getwell beers? They were Getwell, yes. Gosh, so they were not Clifford. But but uh, kind of the setup we had, it was like, uh, you know, Clifford Brewing was selling the beers to them, basically. Yeah, gotcha. So basically, it, was, it was a partnership. It was, it was, you know, it was just a, it was a great way, a little stepping stone to be able to kind of, you know, at the time I was just excited to like, oh, to, to make beer that exactly that would be sold in a bar, right? Someone could drink my beer, right? Oh, yeah. It's super. Which I've, got, 
the collector. Oh yeah, cheers. cheers, guys. Cheers. I dug up my collector's Beautiful. pinball wizard glass. Ooh, that like the OG. Oh, there you go. <laughs> that the original label. How many of these left? Uh, that's awesome. Original label. I'd imagine. Yes. Yeah, so part of the the whole idea behind Get Well actually uh, it was a pretty cool place because I had the, one of the the first in Toronto to have the arcade the arcade bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you go in; it's a bar, but they have the old old school arcade games and pinball machines, and uh, yeah, so that's where Pinball Wizard really fit in well too. Okay. Uh, you know, it was just a cool name and. And the who never came after me for the name. So <laughs> ten years later, is that? Excuse my ignorance. Uh, I'm not a rock dude. Is that like uh, the Who, the band, like from back yes. in the day? Oh yes, the Who. Yeah. Well, they did. Yeah, the Pinball Wizard. Yeah. And I'm not even a YouTube fan. I have a lot of respect for them. They're great. Uh, but I just like the Ring of Pinball Wizard. Yeah, it's cool. It's a dope name. Um, really See, quickly, what, what are the hops in this one? Oh yeah, so uh, pretty old school Cascade Columbus early renditions. I used Autumn. I haven't used that in a long time. Uh, pretty much Citra now is the finishing hop. Oh. So Citra is not as old school. Now it's old school, <laughs> starting to become. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? But, but yeah, Columbus Cascade. Uh, occasionally, we'll use Centennial. Centennial's nice instead of. Uh, the cascade or mix a little centennial in I'll, I'll admit like we play with the recipe a little bit like there's it's not like the porter where it's set in stone the recipe the pinball is like we're always tweaking it a little bit here and there right all right uh, yeah but it's all the old school sea hops yeah, gotcha so interesting definitely cascade is a must centennial it's got that bitterness you know it's got not overpowering but it's got a nice crisp bitterness it still has the maltiness too right mm. Um, yeah, definitely. Like a little bit of like sort of grapefruity vibes in there, but whilst it's sort of like herbal and um and grassy, like the bitterness is like it feels like more like pithy, maybe mm-hmm. than yeah. um than yeah. say like piney or dank or anything like that. Yeah. It's super balanced and light, like five seven, is that what it was? Yeah, five seven. Yeah, yeah. five seven, even five point five in that range basically it's actually pretty it's quite similar to uh uh crazy canuck or canuck pale ale great oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it is similar for sure and that's when uh around that same time is when great lakes was really pushing like back then i remember it was called crazy canuck i do yeah. remember that and it had that other can that didn't have the dude on it yeah it had there was a uh, what did it have oh it had a a Canadian leaf. <laughs> the yes. Leaf it was like the super old school Ontario shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, the Canadian goose on it, I think. Did it really? Oh my God. Let me, yeah. let me see if I can find it. That'd actually be hilarious. But yeah, yeah. so, oh man, crazy Canuck. Yes. I remember that. Cause I've always felt like when I reviewed the beers, they were like, when I see them come up in like Facebook memories, I didn't always call them by the name of the yeah there it is it's you're right the goose it's like the red stripe down the middle yeah that right yeah. i think Ooh. they had a k car with that on it as well which is pretty cool that would make sense but yeah. this is like to kind of take you back this was the time in toronto like when 
there wasn't really a big craft beer scene. Uh, nothing like it is now. Like when I was just getting started 2010, uh, you had Duggan's Brewery, you had Granite, Say What, Barvolo. Uh, this was before Bellwoods opened. Bell was 2012. Yeah, exactly. Which is the exact same time that Getwell basically got started around the same time. Yeah. Gotcha. Because those guys were friends just down the road. I, I'd go, go over there with like kegs and can you wash a couple of kegs for me? That's awesome. I didn't have a, I didn't have a keg washer. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's amazing. So yeah. yeah I mean, there was like we would, two kegs. Like I just need two kegs just, washed. Just wash them, please. <laughs> and, uh, yes. And Duggan's was that. We were talking about this the other day. Duggan's on Queen. And there was that other place around the time and it was the it was on like Vic, i want to say victoria street or something and it became uh, i forgot what it was originally then it became batch brewing and then they didn't last and then something else took over it's like it turned over like three or four times yeah well duggan's was short-lived about a year and a half uh and that's kind of part of my story too because me and mike are friends and i started brewing with mike uh around that time like really just helping out in the brewery you know like I was kind of the annoying kid, like, hey, can I come help you? Can I, yeah. you know, I'll wash a tank for free. That's awesome, uh, though. Stuff hey, like that. Go to hustle. <laughs> and, uh, but that was kind of my first experience, like being around commercial brewing. Uh, but yeah, that place was short lived. There's, that's for whatever reason, many reasons. Uh, that place yeah. is kind of cursed, actually, that Victoria Street location. Cause then it, but then it was the Beer Academy, which the Beer Academy that's what was. It was. Like, yeah, yes. which was actually owned by Molson. Because uh, okay. they had bought Creamore and they were making Creamore products in there. Yes. We did one of our so very first podcasts out of there. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, yeah, Stephen yeah. Rich, I mean, Stephen Rich, like, he was the first brewmaster there. Uh, he went on to then work for Cowbell. Oh, He's not yeah. with them anymore. And then when it switched hands and became, oh, then I think Andrew Bartle worked there for a while. Yes, too. he ran Batch. Yes, he ran back. And then they yeah. moved to like Newfoundland and opened a brewery, and I think that called Church or something. And then that didn't work. And now he's back out here. And his because I knew his wife, and she was she worked for a brewery here. Now I forgot who Big Rock or something. And he's doing some other yeah back and forth. Like it's 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 pretty yeah. like people are all over the. I get it. Like people are just moving around a lot. I forgot yeah. about that. Damn. That's a that's seven seventy five Victoria. It was actually Michael Hancock. He's the oh, one who from Side Lunch. Yes. Well, previously, yeah. Previously, Side yeah. Lunch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Michael Hancock. So he built that brew pub, and it was one of the first in the city. And it's still all the original equipment that's in there, like behind the glass. Actually, it was wow. I was in Toronto about a month ago, and it's still there. I went and had a look at it. So it's like, uh, who? What is it now? Just empty building. Yeah, it's empty right now until right. someone takes it over again. Yeah, because Batch closed. But that was probably, I think, in the late 80s. Oh, and interestingly, too, worked with him, his kind of apprentice, assistant brewer Michael. was Matt O'Hara of Bose. Oh. Mm. So Matt O'Hara first worked there at that location as well. Is Matt with Bose still? Uh, well, Bose got sold to Steam Whistle. So. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Is it? Yeah. But did he no, go with not. that? No, he didn't? Okay. No, I don't. I haven't talked to him in many years, but okay. I bump into him from time to time. I haven't seen him for a bit, but just some of the history, kind of, of that building. Yeah, that man, that's deep. I'll ditch. Uh, probably forgetting a few other people, but yeah, but uh, yeah. And then of course, so it's a really cool spot that seventy-five Victoria. 
yeah, man. I hope someone does take that, but I, th I think you're right in that it's cursed. Like too much stuff yeah. being, uh, you know, that building is massive. Yeah, now there's like, well, they're all the condos have gone around, gone in around it. So it's probably a better time to, to open. Yeah. Them. Because there's so many, um, usually the breweries yeah. in the bottom of condos are a little odd, but then Northern Maverick on Bathurst there is still doing well. That's the one I was just thinking of too, as soon as yeah. you said that. <laughs> yeah. And the other one, it was um, Long Slice in, what's that area oh, called? Oh, yeah. It's just yeah, east. Yeah, me and John are the friends of mine. I've known them a long yeah, time. Yeah, cool guys, I've man. I've never had a chance to get over there and see that place. Yeah. it's I We did a pod when they were still building out the brewery. They were contracting at the time, but they had the bar. The bar was called like, the Aviary or something. And then yeah. the brewery was being built. But I think that's that was like ah, pre-pandemic. It must have been. It must have been 2019. And uh yeah, what's that area called again? It's just next to the distillery, east of the distillery. It's like Canary. Oh, Canary, Canary District or something. There you go. Weird name, but yeah. That's like another good spot, though, because it's like condos and there's all businesses in all the bottoms of all the condos in that whole area, which is yeah. sick. So sure. it would be smart. That means there's possibility. I guess it's just, you know, we say it all the time in this economy, going and taking on the, the, the pressure of that lease at uh, the Victoria Street one. Might be a little... Yeah. Uh, Little, little, little tough to fill at this particular moment in time, but it does sound like that. That's cool to see that there's an opportunity with. And you said that the equipment is still there, and you can see the equipment still. There. It is <laughs> honestly when like back ten years ago, I looked at that equipment and was like, "Wow, this is so cool." Mm. I looked in the window at it, it was like, "It's." <laughs> I don't say it's junk. It's not junk, but it's, but it's, <laughs> it's going to take some work. It's uh, yeah. Well, it's just. It's, it belongs at a museum, basically. <laughs> right. Is it the same stuff that Michael built the place out? Michael Hancock first put in there, yeah, like oh. 20, over twenty years ago. Yeah. Okay. What was that? Like, wasn't he brought it over from? If you you should have him on actually to talk to him because he would tell you all the history of. Uh, yeah, I remember him telling me once about that. They had to take the wall out to put it in and everything, and and it's all custom uh, made, brought over from Germany. It's. Uh, it's beautiful. Like it's a copper clad. It's, it's really, it's, it's not very big though. Like it's a pretty small, I think it's like seven or eight hectoliters. Oh, wow. Okay. Super small. So you'd have so, to. Now to me, that's quite small. Yeah. That'd be a little rough. What was the, I know we're getting off track, but what was that business originally when he started it? Was, that wasn't side launch. That was something else, I guess. No, no. It was called uh, growler, uh, growlers. Oh Yeah. And they just, and I remember, I do remember going there once, like late nineties, maybe, but that was really before I was like, I was, I drank beer, but I wasn't really into craft beer at all. Gotcha. Uh, so he's like, so I didn't, his time with that didn't really appreciate it. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. We should, we did a, a live podcast at Bo's Oktoberfest in like 20, you remember that? I think you were there Nate, for like 2018. I do. Yeah. And Michael was on the panel and that was when we were really into lactose. That was like our thing. And um, I remember, like, you know, fake arguing with him on the pod and stuff about because he doesn't like it because he's mad traditional. And now I think I, 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 I actually feel like Matt O'Hara was the one who was more mad about lactose than it Michael was. was. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I love those guys. They're just so funny because they're just like, like like legendary, like Ontario beer dudes. And it's uh, it was like funny to like, you know, give them shit, but they were giving it right on back. It was, it was a good time. Those, those are good cats, man. Um yeah. We digress. So you were 
doing the beers out of Get Well for them on behalf of them. And I definitely heard about that back in the super, like the name is super familiar, but I don't believe, where was Get Well again? You said, oh no, you told me it was like Ossington and Dundas, right? Oh yeah, it's still there. Okay. Um, as far as I know, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. I don't really keep in touch with those guys anymore, but I know that the bar is still there. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, I know, that, I know that as soon as I left, they turned it into a pizza place in the back, uh, which is probably a better better suited thing. Did me. you say that was a, and it's got the arcade stuff in the front? Yeah, it's got, it's a pretty big, long room. I've yeah, been there really before. Bar. I know exactly. Yeah, you probably have the arcade and then the, yep. yeah, the pizza at the back. Yeah. It was it was a while well, ago, but back I remember that. Where we, we, like, tiny, about the size of my office here, actually right. even smaller, <laughs> that we, you know, put in a, a little brew system under a hood, three fermenters, and uh, yeah, awesome. would make, yeah, make three, make, make the house beers there. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's very dope. So then you were doing that and then where did that, so you, that was 20, I'm sorry. What did you say that was 2012? 2012 to 2014, actually. To 2014. Okay. So that was, Mm -hmm. did you feel that that sort of contributed to your like brewing chops on at at a larger scale or not much, but slightly larger scale? Yeah, not large scale, but yeah, just gave me the ability to, you know, play around with recipes and, you know, and actually see people, people would come in the bar, try them, drink them, you know, get gotcha. a feel of what people liked. And did uh, that give you some like confidence? To no, make- most people there drank PBR didn't drink my PBR. <laughs> <laughs> but did, did it make you, I could imagine that if it was your first, uh, you know, exercise in this, that you'd be like, oh man, like, all right. I know you know that people like your stuff because of your, um, uh, the home brewing, you know, you're inviting people and sharing it as as you would, but it might it must have been a cool sort of first feeling, and maybe inspired you to keep going to be like, all right, you know, this business believed in me to do it, and now I'm making these beers and people are drinking it, even if it's not all of them, but you know, they're moving through yeah. there. So you know, just be like, all right, I'm I'm onto something with this beer making thing. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, they weren't like the. They weren't the biggest, coolest beers of the time. I mean, I guess back then. There wasn't cool beers, man. It was just West Coast IPAs. Yeah, yeah it was pretty much just West Coast IPAs, yeah, which I made some of those. <laughs> but I was making lagers, too, and porters. I remember I made like a, uh, what is it, a Dunkelbach or Dunkelweizen or basically nice. like <laughs> beers that no one will buy or drink. <laughs> back then, though? <laughs> bar in Toronto. <laughs> I kind of feel like people. I feel like I drank all sorts of weird shit back then, and and had no like pre like, there was no nothing was like cool or uncool from memory. Like I don't recall thinking anything. I remember if I look at my when my my Facebook memories come up with the you know, beer selfies and all that stuff. I always feel like I'm like oh wow I was drinking that, and I always had you know. I was learning, so I was like super open to drinking everything. And I don't, I think the the only thing that was was cool would have been like the palate wrecking Westies. Yeah. And that's right. kind of it. 2012 to 2014, I don't really think. I yeah. do remember now Saison's had their moments. Saison's were cool. Yeah. That was and everyone's making everyone had a Saison, a different farmhouse yeah. and Belgians. Yeah. Belgians. I remember that. I remember that too, and uh, like uh, kind of around the same time, like basically pre pre twenty fifteen, uh, 
like Sue was saying, it was like before the like before the New England IPA boom, it was really more like more a thing of anything that kind of did not uh, like didn't taste like your uh, like your Molson Canadian or your, like or your Labat Blue or whatnot. It's like oh, what's uh, like what's this a Belgian double? Okay, that, like that's, that's new, cool. like that's new that's new and interesting to me. I'll get, like I'll give that a try. Like those are the kind of things that. You would have been drinking uh, like, like back in the day. See that, uh, that like that. Now it is like ah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you were probably like, but those were kind of the things that you'd pull them off the LCBO shop. Like oh, like Belgian double. Like oh, this uh, like, like this farmhouse saison. Like yeah, absolutely, I'll try that. That's new and different. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, different times. I, I just thought I remember back then too. You kind of had to go to the LCBO to find stuff because yes, you did. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of tap rooms. It wasn't like mm-hmm. everybody. Had a tap and they were room. far. Like anything in the city, like the ones you mentioned. But even then, I don't think any of those ones were really packaging. Even Bellwoods, I don't think were packaging back in 2012. But like I moved to Montreal like three months after they opened. I was pissed because I lived on Ossington. It's like, God damn, I just moved here and they like, I'm just about to leave and they get a brewery. But the, I don't think many of them did package. So the only place we, got beers was the lcbo unless we did like you know my friend and i would go out because he had a car so we'd go to like trafalgar nickelbrook and you know places that are kind of out of out of the city to yeah. go and get stuff because it just wasn't yeah. much yeah did very different time and going to a brewery felt like whoa you're going to a brewery like it was like a thing yeah. as opposed to like it's it's, it's a bar it's no different yeah. to a bar, really. yeah. yeah it's a totally different time um the so then once you when you wrapped up then in 2014 what um what is that noise can you guys hear that oh like, sorry you might be hearing a you, you might be hearing a vacuum in the background of, oh that's okay uh, that, like, i thought there was here. no problem at all i thought that was very like light it's just i thought it was um like interference in the line or something that's okay no no um we're good so then 2014 uh, wrapped up at Getwell, what was the next step? Yeah, so, you know, like anything, do after doing that for a couple of years, it was a great experience. And, you know, I really appreciated the opportunity that, you know, to be able to do that. And, but I really wanted to do my own thing, get my beers out outside of like one little bar, right? Totally. Uh, so without getting too much into it, I did have a little project with Michael Duggan. Me and him did a beer that was in the LCBO called the, uh, what's what was it called? <laughs> hundred yeah, mile. Lager. <laughs> hundred mile. Lager. Uh, an old can of it right here. Oh. Put it, put it close to your face, closer to your face. Not very good. Okay. Here we go. Oh, I had that. I told, and there was two different ones. Yeah. Yeah. We did the, the lot, uh, the the ale and the lager. I remember very originally named. That's cool, uh, man. I remember that shit. Yeah. Yes, let's go. Well, I was what involved was... with Mike making those, so that was around twenty thirteen, fourteen, actually. I uh, distinctly remember that. That's great. Good we, for you. We, a bunch of hop grower friends, where we'd go out and uh, help harvest the hops, and uh, then take it in. It was all brewed at Cool Brewery, uh, so where we'd. Because they were full cone hops, we'd hammer mill the hops basically to turn them into as much. We couldn't actually get them in cones. So okay. we'll kind of like powder to brew with. 
which still is not a great way to brew with them because they plug up the heat exchanger. Mm. <laughs> I can see the yeah, they yeah. are all clunking up like they wouldn't dissolve it; it just clump. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But th- those beers were yeah, those were really decent beers, and they were in the LCBO. But actually, that's the first beer I just remembered. On the back, oh yeah, it's got the it says Clifford Brewing. Oh yeah, I gotta put them. It's got a little Clifford Brewing logo on it. Oh, nice. You see that? Yeah, hang on. Hold it sort of, yeah, where you fit. There you go. Oh, there, yeah, oh, there, there it is. Go. There it is. Look oh, that's that. cool. Good for you. That must have been a cool feeling to see that. Like, yeah, so that was really cool. Yeah, that was the first of my, the first time my name was ever on a beer. That's uh, sick. Yeah. So that did that, and then uh, from there, then started making Clifford Porter. Uh, basically, I got my own manufacturing license where I could then brew beer under my own name and sell it to bars. And the first beer was Clifford Porter. Because mm. uh, that was the beer I chose, thought that was the best beer. to. And for a year or two, you could only buy it in kegs. Uh, and I only sold it to bars and kegs. Ah, okay. Is that a, uh, is that a segue? Uh, or is it to, to crack the beer? <laughs> to drink the beer? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Come on, get help me, help me, help you. <laughs> um, Boy, that, that that was a painful silence after, <laughs> like after you said that there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I thought I thought that was clear. Um, or is it probably not the best time to do it because we want to sort of like go and take us on a journey? Uh. No, I think it's a great time to have a porter. Actually, yeah, that, that is a good time. Now, wait, but wait, wait, wait. The question is, gentlemen. We can pull them both out, and maybe we could we could vote which one we're going to do because we have two porters. Oh yeah. So we have him, and we have no. Where is it? Yeah, my bad. All right. So we have two. Sorry, different... So what are you? So what are you suggesting? Are you suggesting we? Are you suggesting we do both, or we pick? Or like, or we pick I'm one? On we spot. probably pick because. Uh... Yeah! 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 And it would be up to uh, Uncle Bradley over here, <laughs> if I may call you that. Oh yeah, I don't mind at all. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you'd enjoy it. I had a feeling. Um, so, so the red can is the one most people would recognize. So that's that's the classic Clifford Porter, the original. Yes, uh, which was also the first beer I put in the LCBO. So yeah. after after selling on draft only Porter for about a year that it's like, okay, it's time to put it in cans. Uh, so it was contract brewed at cool, uh, that same place, the hundred mile lager was made and kind of through Mike, I'd, I got to know everyone there pretty well. I was pretty good friends with the head brewer Vince and Adrian Popowitz was the brewmaster there at the time. Who's a friend. Uh, so that was kind of, even though it didn't have a brewery, cool was kind of my, home base kind of place you know i could hang out go there uh you know go there and make casks off the fermenter and stuff like that exactly. uh, <clears throat> yeah so where was i going with this story <laughs> um i th- we we're going to talk about how that sort of came about and we were going to drink one of these two um yes and the other one in the white can is the Nitro version. Yeah, the nitro. So that's just something we did this past year. Okay. Uh, something I'd wanted to do for a long time. Like, what if we did a, a nitro version of Clifford Porter, which we years ago we did at the brewery. It's not too hard to do for draft only. 
But actually, nitro dosing a can gets a lot more trickier. Uh, so we finally went ahead and did a nitro version in the can. Uh, we brought in an outside mobile canning unit uh, that could nitro dose to do it, uh, rather than using our own canning, canning line. Gotcha. Uh, so it's not something we can easily do again, I mean, without bringing in, you know, uh, renting the equipment and doing it with a, another canning line. Gotcha. Okay. So, but it really does change the flavor. If anything, just the nitro, it just makes it that much creamier. Uh, I find a lot more chocolate comes out in the nitro version. And uh, yeah, it's delicious. And as you know, it just won a gold at the Canada Beer Cup. Yes, it did. God damn it. We were there. Yeah. Cheering you on. I love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> um, which it's very cool. And it's a very highly awarded beer for very good reason. It's genuinely spectacular. And I did drink the nitro the other night because I couldn't help myself. And uh, I just love porters so much. I love porters. So I'm very excited for this beer. Which one then, uh, Brad, do you think we should, do you feel like we should rock uh, for the pod? Yeah. Open the nitro one. Open the nitro? All you right, gotta shake do it. You got to shake it a bit first. Oh, yeah. You got to shake. I was a little worried because I've had a, uh, Maybe like I feel like I'm doing it wrong or something. I feel like in the past I've always uh, I've always like shaken up nitro beers and they just didn't work. But this worked perfectly when I when I poured it the other night. It was spectacular. Um, and it just works so well. Just that 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 body, that nitro body. And you're right. Like the oh shit. Yeah, okay, you open it kind of slowly. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, I have to go wash my hands. Yeah, you got to give it a good crack. Yeah. Got a bit of foaming going on there, and here we go. I might have to be back in a second. I, uh, I'm i see, I just said I'm so bad at uh, nitro pours. This is like literally everywhere. I don't when, think I when you pour it, you can basically just pour it like upside down. down. Yeah, you can hard pour. Uh, yeah, and then look at this cascade down, it's so gorgeous. Oh, look at that! Look at it, fantastic. Oh. Stunning. All right. I'll just be back in a sec. I got this shit everywhere. <laughs> you guys keep talking. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no worries. I was going to say, remember we were oh. talking earlier about uh, about how, like, the beer can age in the can. Yep. Uh, so this beer, like, when we did the nitro, it was actually back, like, in last April. So this beer is about six months or so old now, six or seven. Oh, months. wow. This particular batch. But I mean, it's it still tastes fantastic. Well, yeah, it's all it, like it's also a porter. They're, like this is not a this is not a case of there's uh, of like Nelson Sylvania or Citra Cryo that's going to be like that's going to be falling off in this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just the malt flavors just concentrate even more. Yep, exactly. If, if anything, I mean, in in that amount of time, it's only going to get better, really. Yeah. At a certain point, it will start not being as good, but sure, of course. But uh, but oh man, after like after pouring that like that silky smooth crema on top, uh, like is just looking fantastic. Yeah. Another thing about uh, this, well, the nitro porter is that it really is the same porter. Like it's the the exact mm -hmm. same like, porter. It came out of the same tank. We just nitro dosed it, so. It's right, just the gas, uh, the mixture of gas so it, is different. 
Yeah. So, so it really is the exact, it really is the exact same beer. It just can't, uh, like, it, like the only difference really comes down to when, uh, like when it's packaged, you're uh, like, you're doing that, uh, that nitro dose when it's packaged. Exactly. It was just packaged differently with a different, uh, gas combination. Yeah. So the, uh, like, so the Clifford Porter and like, like, we'll take a sip in a second. Like you were saying, first one in the LCBO, this is likely the first beer that most people in Ontario remember as their, like, as the first Clifford beer, the first true Clifford beer, um, that a lot of people in Ontario will remember. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit, uh, like, like how this one, uh, like how this one came about? What's, uh, like what made this the one that, uh, ended up in the LCBO first? Yeah, it was the one that I chose. Like the porter was always like one of my favorites, even as a homebrew. I'd brew it, and uh, yeah, people were like, wow, that porter is amazing. People would love it. And uh, actually, you might notice I'm actually drinking porter out of my Duggan's glass here. Ooh, uh, there you Mike go. Made a, he made a fantastic porter, a London porter that I brewed with him. And mine is different, but I took some I, some lessons from you know that like his his recipe. Got, got some ideas, I guess you could say. Uh, a little bit of like, not stealing, but I was going to say it's like music, right? Like you're, everyone's stealing a little bit from everyone. It's like, no ideas yeah. original. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but we're both huge fans of Fuller's Porter. So really, I was drinking a lot of Fuller's Porter back then because you could buy it at the LCBO. And I was kind of just trying to do my own twist on the Fuller's Porter recipe in some ways. So That's I'd awesome. say like, Fuller's brown porter, but then I like to go a little more heavy on hops. So I, I'd hop it a little more, basically, mm. uh, with still traditional English hops like Fuggle generally, sometimes Challenger. Uh, so, yeah, it just came to be just, you know, making it at home and then making it at Get nice. Well, then making it at two or three other breweries, uh, contract brewing it. Uh, in small batches, I actually made a few batches at Grand River back in the day. No, oh, wow! Uh, which worked out great because their water is really hard. It is really the hardness in the water up there is fantastic for dark beers. Mm. Hell yeah! Oh, yeah. Person, guys, cheers! Get that in you. Cheers! Get some porter going. Fantastic! It is so mm. chocolatey. Oh yeah. The body is just spectacular. It's light. What is it? Five nine. Like lighter than like the body is lighter than air. Yeah, it's <laughs> like that same texture for people who are maybe newer to it. It's like a kind of good thing to like if people are into Guinness or something, which is great and a classic. But it kind of tastes like nothing, and maybe that's an intentional thing, and maybe that's because it's shipped or whatever. But there's just so much going on here with that same texture. That, that beautiful nitro texture and that that crazy chocolatey and that, that but like malted chocolate it's just fantastic it's such yeah a, a lot of that the, the 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 nitrogen just changes it that little bit uh, yeah it makes it even lighter tasting actually much like how guinness that's why guinness is on served on nitro right right uh, yeah no it, it makes, makes sense yeah pulls that it back light a bit. yeah and i think it's like four percent or four five or something anyway so it's like a a different type of uh it's it's so light anyway and then if i actually didn't know that that nitro lightens it up i mean i guess it makes it less heavy because the body would be lighter 
due to yeah. nitrogen? Yeah, well, there's less CO2, like uh, only about half the, the, the CO2. Right, right. Which is where you can shake it. But it is a blend of CO two and nitrogen. So, so like when you get a Guinness, it's a blend that they're they're pouring through the the little plate. What do they call it? The uh, mm. the widget thing in the can? Or no, no, that's like for cans. Honestly, I don't know what the widget does much. I think it's just kind of more of a, a gimmick. Gimmick. Because that's the first thing people ask me, like, oh, is there a widget in it? And I was like, no. <laughs> What I wouldn't know how to put one in. <laughs> yeah, that would be a whole thing. What's why do you have to shake a nitro beer? Uh, the nitrogen it kind of just activates it. It's not the best way to describe it, but kind of that makes sense. Yeah, because it nitrogen doesn't want to go into solution, like you, you have to force it in. Uh, because I, I push nitrogen into kegs to make a nitro version and. You, it takes a while to get it to actually go into solution. It's not like CO two, which quickly dissolves. Oh. Uh, nitrogen's a little more difficult. So if you put nitrogen in a keg as a that's a, a way to do it through a regular tap as opposed to running it through a nitro tap. Yeah, well, you can. You, I could take a regular keg of porter and then hook it up to a nitrogen keg, and just push the nitrogen in. Mm-hmm. Uh, slowly over like a, a period of a couple days, like uh, it's a very slow process, but it will go in. Okay, uh, that's not a very scientific way to do it, but okay, that's, that's like the home homebrew way to do it. But when we right. when we canned it, it was nitro dose is a drop of liquid nitrogen, so it actually shoots the liquid nitrogen in the can, and you see it go. Psh, oh, so and before uh, it puts the the beer a regular porter in any can, it puts. Drop a nitrogen in, then pause the, shoots the beer in. Yeah, well, the canning process has got liquid nitrogen dropped in the can, which then quickly, uh, when it that is quickly sealed. So that's the thing I, I said when you shake it, it kind of like it's almost like it's sitting in the can there, and it needs to kind of be put into solution. Gotcha. So okay, yeah. that's thank you for explaining that. And then if you're going to run it through a tap, then you could have. You could do it the way you said, which is to have a regular keg and then sort of like slowly introduce nitrogen in. But you know how if you got like the, the nitro tap, like a, a actual, you know, yeah, similar the, to like a Luca, but a nitro tap. Yeah, could the you creamer just, tap. That's what I was going to call it. The creamer, creamer tap. That's a great word. Yeah. Would that, if you had one of those, could you just hook up a regular keg of porter and then run that bad boy through it? Or any beer, essentially? Uh, no, you need to put it okay. on a nitrogen gas. But even if you just put it on the nitrogen gas and let it sit for a few days, the nitrogen will start, it'll slowly start to dissolve in. And then you could pour it okay. through the cream tap. Mm. Okay, so the cream tap isn't the be all and end all. There is more to the process. There, yeah, there is more. You need a blend of, if you, at a minimum, you have to at least be pouring it with nitrogen gas. Okay. But you want some nitrogen mixed in the keg as well. Uh, so it would be specific kegs that are made for that tap. Okay. Would you yeah. – No, just a regular keg. Really, the, it's just the, the tap changes. The keg is the same. But you would just add the same keg and you'd probably put some drops in the top or some shit. Uh, oh, no. Sorry. The drops, <laughs> that's only for cans. Uh, oh. The gas. The gas is basically just like 
like some bars use beer gas to push their their beer out. Some use pure CO2. Pure CO2, though, the CO2 will start to carbonate the beer more. With beer gas is actually a blend of uh, of nitrogen and uh, CO2. So you could actually use beer gas to carbonate, which is what I've done before, to force it into a keg, like a normal type D, type D coupler keg. You could hook it up and, and slowly force the, some of that nitrogen blend into the into the beer. Hmm. I've never heard that. Beer gas. I've never even heard that before. Yeah, that's what most bars use to pour their beer, actually, beer gas. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, they don't use pure CO2. We use pure CO2 because we were using beer gas for a while, but I found down near the end of the keg, it starts to kind of almost go flat with beer oh. gas. But with right. pure CO2, you just have to be careful. Uh, like you could shut it off at night because it will start to carbonate the beer more. Right. So you got to turn that bad boy off. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, yes, this is spectacular. Love it. Really, uh, it's a super fun way to consume a beer that's obviously a big fave uh, and probably yeah. the the main you know thing that you're known for. Like I knew you for this beer before anything else because it has won so many yeah. awards. Uh, and mad people are just raving about it for very, very, very good reasons. So you made it the first time, I'm sorry, in 2014? Uh, commercially, 2015 as Clifford 15. Porter. Okay. Yeah. And that was contracted from Cool in Toronto and then released as a contract beer into the LCBO. Yeah. And that was actually when I, I moved to Hamilton in 2015. Uh, so 2015 was when Clifford Brewing, was, the brand, was launched. Okay. Uh, but only had one beer, and that was Clifford Porter. <laughs> okay. Uh, was it the exact same beer that we're drinking today, or has it sort of evolved over the years? Exact same beer. Hell yeah, that's even cooler. Hasn't changed a bit. So then launching at with a porter in the LCBO is pretty I'd about to say bold, but I imagine there probably wouldn't have been a ton of competition back then, or was there? Because it was a different uh, time. No, no, not really. Not not very many. Okay. Black Oak might have made a porter. Uh, I'm trying to even think. Did, well, did Wellington? Wellington? No, I don't know if they did. Great Lakes. I don't think there there was a porter. No, at the time, which is that's the other reason actually I chose the porter because I figured, you know, it's, it's kind a of a bit style. of a new, yeah, new style. And in retrospect, back then I really wasn't like thinking in terms of I was honestly thinking in terms of what's the best beer I could make to put forward that people are going to drink and be like. Wow, this beer is great! I just love this beer. Uh, I wasn't trying trying to make money. I guess that's what I'm <laughs> it's like a good ass beer. I wasn't thinking like this is like there were no financial uh, real decisions made. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I yeah, I kind of met the many time, at the time. At the time, there probably wasn't yeah. many breweries in the recent like you know decade. Excuse me, decades that uh, have made their like name on a on a porter it's a unique mm -hmm. style to, to do that on how was the reception in 2015 uh excellent yeah like back then it was easy to get uh on tap at bars so i was probably like on tap at 50 plus bars like oh, a lot yeah. around Toronto, hamilton hey. uh, 
actually Kitchener, Waterloo, London, all over the place. Right. And that's when I started self-distributing uh, because back then there really wasn't another way to distribute other than deliver it yourself. So, so I, I bought a van and basically started spending two, three days a week driving around delivering kegs to bars. Uh, actually, all the way up to Windsor. I made trips out to Windsor to deliver right. beer, uh, London. Uh, yeah, just really like friends, people I knew, bar owners. Uh, had some good friends back then who were helping me sell it. And it kind of just word of mouth, you know, spread, got around like, oh, this is a great beer. You should have it on tap. Uh, so I had quite a lot of keg accounts at one time. Hmm. Uh, not a lot of keg accounts now. <laughs> No, for the portal. Yeah, I can I can see it being sort of like a more specialty kind of thing. Yeah, and honestly, these days I actually like no, don't put the porter on tap. Put longer. Oh. I, want, I want to sell more beer. Yeah, I mean that makes more sense. You, you're definitely going to hit more people with that. But this would be almost like I feel like if you, if I went somewhere and saw this on tap, I'd be like yo, like I'd be like excited. Yeah, because like, most places are. don't have a porter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so then, yeah, to keep, keep us going. So then you made it, got out of the LCBO, brought out a cool, moved to Hamilton 2015. What's the next steps from there? Yeah, so like the, the long-term plan was always to find a, a place in Hamilton to build, to build a brewery. Uh, of course, that didn't happen right away. Uh, took a couple of years, but... Uh, but I had some other friends as well that were doing the same thing around Hamilton. And, uh, you know, we all kind of share kind of ideas and or struggles. Uh, I don't want to get into too much talking about the municipality of Hamilton, but it's a great city, but it's not an easy city to do business uh, sometimes. So, uh, but there was a reason why there was really not a lot, if any, breweries in Hamilton. Actually, that was a t collective arts opened in 2015, I just remembered. They so, just yeah. had their 10 year anniversary this year. So that means maybe it was 2013? Maybe, uh, no. Oh, but maybe that was 2013. They were contracting. contracting. Yeah. Okay. Out of Nickelbrook. Oh, of course yeah. they were. Okay. So the brand yeah. is, is, um, is, is 10 years old, but the actual facility. Exactly. Because it was the Lakeport that you, yeah, yeah. on Burlington Street there. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of like how like Clifford, I guess, is now eight, almost nine years old, the brand, but we've only been in the physical brewery for six years. Gotcha. Mm, so, same type of thing. That's why sometimes people are they're confused. Yeah. No, I love I, that. And I get confused. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's the coolest thing ever. And I said this to you when we're hanging out that I love, love hearing any sort of success story from contracting to brick and mortar i think it's the coolest shit particularly here in ontario where i feel like contract brewers got an unnecessarily hard time from you know tastemakers and just people in the scene even as far as the ocb has gone out of their way unfortunately and i i like the ocb but i feel like they went out of their way to to dis what's the word uh not include um contract breweries in some of the tax breaks and things like that like they actually people voted them out or something like that i heard and yeah it had to do with membership if you didn't have an actual brewery yeah, yeah. which is unfortunate because contract breweries employ people too by contract breweries oh, yeah yeah and it's it's not like it's not cheap at all to be in this business but it, it wasn't cheap to be a contract brewer either you got to buy no. keg 
you, know, you need a vehicle, you need licensing, you know, you still spend the same money on cans. Yeah. Um, like there's no insurance. There's a number of things you have to have. Uh, I think they were trying to argue that it was cheaper because they didn't have the brick and mortar overheads, but it didn't mean that they weren't contributing and didn't deserve the tax breaks yeah, or whatever absolutely. it was. Which is seen, yeah, it's kind of like honestly, silly. like you're a second second class brewer kind of. Yeah. That's a great way to to say it, and it's I don't know, yeah. it's it always rubbed me the wrong way personally. Just as a someone like, I feel like that the the people. I was about to say, I feel like the the scene types of people who shit on contract brewers don't understand business, but yeah, you yeah. can't say that about the OCB and all the people who voted against the that sort of motion, um, which is super unfortunate. Yeah. But, I, but like, name a contract brewery who really doesn't have aspirations to do what you did. Like, of course, everybody is doing that. It's just a way to test the brand in the market, just like what you did. You're like, well, I know these guys are cool. I can get something in the LCBO and make money whilst I'm still working my job, build this brand slowly but surely, you know, and do you think? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, test yeah. out the market and then, yeah, before making the big leap into, a, you know, because it's a gigantic capital investment. Yeah. Hell yeah. Which exactly. many people make without having any any name or reputation whatsoever. Exactly. Uh, and Technically. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a place. huge Sorry. I'm passionate. Well, Left Field did the same thing. I remember Mark and Mandy uh, contract brewing uh, yep. for two or three years doing their oh, beers yeah. at Grand River. Because I was at GetWell at the time and they'd be Mark would be coming in dropping off kegs. Uh, oh, the beer he just made at Grand River before right. they got to place uh on, uh, what uh, it, what's that called? Yeah, that little alleyway in uh, yeah. Greenwood. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Flags up, Wag, Wag, Wagstaff. There you go. Yeah. And now they just opened their place Wag. on um, in Liberty Village. I saw that it looks huge. It's the, the Trabasser, the old Trabasser place, which, yeah. is, which is dope. So, like, that's great. I actually forgot that they were a, uh, a contractor. I was telling you about Avant Garde in, um, uh, on t in, um, in Montreal, Overhop, uh, who are also based out here for a bit. Now they're out there. They were Oshlag, and now they're, they're doing their own thing. There's true history, the, too. True history. Great example, because we just had them on. They were contracting. They got their brewery now in uh, Sinclair. Like, there's a, yeah. there's a bunch of really great success stories from this. And, and Lost Craft, they were contracting for years. They got more shit than anybody, and now they have the brewery in the junction. And Shahan told me recently that he goes, even if – the interesting thing about contracting, because I was like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, do you, would you move all production to then? He's like, well, no, because you got, unless he goes, there's the, if you, you know, say you're brewing out of like Brunswick or Equals or something like that, the rates yeah. that they can give you to, you know, to have the big fuck off fermenters, the huge ass ones, <laughs> he couldn't match in his own brewery the same costs that they can at Brunswick at the larger scale. So it makes more sense to him to continue to brew contracts for some of his brands, the larger ones that are running through LCBO and doing numbers from these, um, from the contract breweries, even though he's still got that. And I know many other people who contract out their, uh, you know, their, their, their flagship brands that need a larger volume to, um, to you know still contract even though they've got a, a their own yeah. physical brick and mortar brewery so it's like it's you know even then i feel like it's still proving all the people who shit on contract brewing wrong 
Yeah. Which I yeah, love. it was very, sorry, I was going to say very common to have a smaller brewery and a flagship brand that you have to contract brew so you're not tying up your tanks. Yeah. Uh, with the one being that's old. Not so time. much what the OCB was going after. I kind of, I know a little bit of the inside information. I don't want to, you know, offend anyone. Yeah, you don't need any- yeah, you, I you don't had need to, to do, tell tales out of school here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't have to. You have to do that. We're not trying to do that, but just more. I know. Bringing, I think it had to do more with the uh, the Brunswick Beer Works and uh, the equals. Uh, basically, the these massive breweries being built, uh, basically largely just to do contract brewing, uh, which would then a lot of people just jumping in the market because like, oh, it'd be cool to have my name on a beer, right? And we'll get it in the LCBO. Uh, I totally understand that criticism because I know people, excuse me, people always accuse brands of being marketing companies. Yeah. And uh, I know, I might have even told you when we were talking, but yeah, Shahan from Lost Craft's a good friend and he got accused of that. And then, you know, he's out here owning the actual physics. Like, like, look, I told you, motherfuckers, like, I've been trying to, you know, be in this space, but I know of other brands that I'm probably sure we're all thinking of that are absolutely marketing companies just making beer to, serve a purpose and that doesn't con- contribute to the craft beer sort of scene and, and the, you know, everything else. Yeah. So I can I understand. They started taking market share away from the, the large Ontario craft breweries like mm-hmm. Lost Craft or Ace Hill just came to mind. Uh, they were definitely taking away market share from, from brick and mortar breweries. And, you know, all the power to them. I'm all for a free market and, uh, Hey, go at it! And I think I heard, I heard they sold their company for like two hundred million dollars or something to Bacardi. Who, who did for some And I'm just throwing a number at oh, it. No, it, okay. was, it was ridiculous how much they sold it for. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be entirely surprised if that's where where some of it is gone. Um, yeah, like but they I'm, managed I'm, to get they managed to get that beer like. And everywhere in the city, all over, uh, I know around Toronto, it was everywhere. Did you say the name of the brewery you're talking about? Uh, Ace Hill. That's what I thought you were talking about. That's who I was thinking of, too. That that was the yeah. one that people yeah. were, um, oh, Nate just said his Wi-Fi went off, so he's, he'll jump back in a sec. Um, I think it's owned by, I could be wrong, but I think I heard Bacardi bought it. Interesting. I uh, yeah. I think it was the... Didn't they own parts and labor or something like that? Those guys, and then they they have a full like they started that brand, and then they started the. Do you know what's strange? Their Ace Valley uh, is their cannabis brand, and I'm a big. I don't smoke weed, but I have gummies a lot, and their gummies are phenomenal. <laughs> it's so crazy to me that their gummies are so sick. They're so I, I really like them, but the um yeah. yeah that beer they got they got the deal I I believe with Porter was it was it them who got the deal with Porter I think they might have or maybe it was Bose. Either way, they they oh, came out. As, yeah. Okay, they they came out at the same time as um as uh, Lost Craft did, and people were lumping them in together. Whereas Shahan was like, no, 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 I'm in it for beer, and he was the one who was talking to um people in Scarborough who were completely ignored by the craft beer, like communities in Scarborough, like basically people of color who were completely ignored by most of the craft beer crowd, and Ace yeah. Hill were like a marketing company essentially or they were a business doing other stuff now i don't i'm a you're a businessman i'm a businessman i don't have a problem with people making money off stuff i do understand the criticisms from maybe people who are a bit more purist in in here's nate in in beer um we got you back you good nate yep i'm good beautiful 
Uh, I saw your text. Yes, we we let we let the people know Nate's back. But yeah, like the I understand the criticisms of of you know maybe a marketing company like you said taking sh- real market share, real taps, uh, in bars with their products that you know could have gone to a brewery who really cares about craft beer as opposed to someone just trying to make money. Like, so I understand that criticism, but I think. The, the people were painting all contract breweries with the same brush as they were yeah, exactly. a brand like Ace Hill. And that's not even shitting on Ace Hill. Like, I don't actually have any problem with no, them. I have nothing against Ace Hill. I have all the power to them. Hell, like, do you think, bro, making money on shares in Ace Hill? Yeah, we should, we should have. Jesus Christ. And I'm not mad at people who sell too. If you're going to sell to most, if you're going to, if someone's going to do what you are doing, Brad, and spend the money that it takes to open a brewery and to build a brand and to do all the things. And if Molson come to you tomorrow and go, here's a hundred million. You, and if you didn't take it, I'd slap you. Like fucking take the money and go and enjoy your life. It's beer. Who cares? Yeah, it's, exactly. I think yeah. people really don't understand, always forget that. And like, they don't understand the people who usually are the, 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 you know, critics of this type of stuff haven't put their money into anything and doesn't don't really understand the nature of business and kind of get caught up in the passion of craft beer, which yeah, I I, I, I also understand. I'm not completely criticizing that either. I get it. Like you know, I'm passionate about beer as well, but I'm also maybe I'm disappointed if my favorite brewery sells out. Like, oh fuck, now it's not going to be the same. But I'm happy for the people behind them. It's just as the drinker, I know that the beers. If the beers were going to be the same. You kind of like, yeah, whatever. But then you know that your money's going to a company that that is proactively trying to destroy the thing that you love, like such, you know, Molson and blah blah blah. Like you don't want to support the companies that are going out of their way to take opportunities away from from craft breweries through distribution and supermarket shelves and all that type of stuff. It's a it's a very nuanced conversation, I guess, with regard to all oh this yeah. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Every situation is different. Yeah. But yeah, the longer you're you're in the beer industry, the longer you realize it's it, the beer is important, but the money is even more important. That's what yeah. It's People do and there's lots of business and, and like making money in the beer industry is like is not like is not quite as common as uh, like as we might think. It's it's not an easy <laughs> business to be making money in. No, no it's no. not. I think right now <laughs> more than ever. Yeah. You didn't get in to make money. Well, no, like what you said earlier, you didn't get into to, to make, make a living. At least, yeah, you make a decent living, and you know your employees make a good living. Mm. Uh, you know, if everyone can, you know, can do pretty well and have fun while doing it, that's you know, that's that's where. Yeah, that's, it's certainly a fun industry. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely all of that. It's uh, go on, Nick. On that note, that oh. seems like a good spot to uh, crack open another beer. Oh yeah, this porter, good lord! Honestly, this it's is one of so my favorite beers good. in Ontario. It is spectacular, Brad. This is such a good oh, beer, dude. Like, it's so good. And the nitro version is just like I need to learn how to open these goddamn cans. I've never opened a nitro beer cleanly in my life. I just, I don't. What's the secret? Is it quick, Nate? I think you said you just got to. Yeah, go you sh- just, yeah, you just, you just got to crack it. You, like, like, you got to not like. Yeah, you got to not do the thing where where you kind of like slowly do it and let it seep out. Like, you need to just go for it. Mm. Or you just give it a, like a shake it a bit like this, you know, just like. A, well, no, I shook the shit out of it until it stops moving, which means that the bubbles are in there. But I think I did the slow open, which lets it like ooze out a little bit, and that's why it spilled every. It wasn't that bad. Uh, I typically would open them over a sink, so it's okay. It's just I'm not, I'm not there. Um, so good. So 
we've had the the lager, the APA, the nitro porter. What's the next step? What makes sense in the where we are in the story to go to the to, to the next beer? Maybe maybe that's a fun way to look at it. Hmm. Maybe Dark Streets of London because I think that was the next beer that was made. Mm. I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> the ESB. I, al- this... I also just love the name of this one. It's super dope. And I had this with Brad at the brewery <laughs> last Friday. And um, oh, man, it was so good. I just kept smelling the glass. It just smells like toffee. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I loved it. Oh, which gla- I used the wrong glass for the, the porter. I even had the stout glass. Now I'm having an ESB and a stout glass. Who am I? You fucking idiot. I know. I know. I'm an amateur. <laughs> I got I got caught up in the story. Mm. So I was telling Brad, Nate, that ESBs are uh, obviously a, a brewery like Clifford who does a lot of um, English beers and stuff. This is completely on brand uh, and exactly what you'd expect. And I was saying that... Um, that you and I have been drinking a lot of ESBs uh, of late on the pod, which has been a, uh, a genuine treat and a pleasure for, for the it both sure of us. It sure has. And um, you know, I, I, it was never a style that – I don't know about you, but I, I was never into ESBs. I just never really tickled my pickle as such, but now I'm like a huge fan of them. Yeah, it it wasn't even a style that I even used to think about all that much, um, and it would be like, and it would be one that if I saw it on a beer list somewhere, I the, the, like my eyes would be skipping over it to the like to the next thing there. Um, but after having so many of them in the last couple of years, like I've come to really really dig them, same as you. Oh, just spectacular so this one then so you brad you did the um i mean we can talk about the beer as we drink it too but you did the the porter as your first beer did this one come pretty shortly after uh trying to remember <laughs> hey it's a while ago came to mind. actually the the name of this beer changed uh the original name for it was Bastard Landlord. <laughs> Is that the episode name? I'm going to write that down. That's fucking <laughs> Yeah, yeah I do write that down. <laughs> Bastard Landlord. I wonder if we get yeah. canceled for saying that. Okay, tell me about that one. <laughs> Need to well, that's know. why I changed it. But another little uh, aside. So uh, some people get the name. Like, I'm a big fan of the Pogues, uh, the Irish... I remember, oh yeah, flash English. Yeah, uh, and uh, so "Bastard Landlord" is kind of an obscure B side, Pogue's B side. I really like uh-huh. the name. You know, there's a lot of, of names like uh, "Landlord's Daughter." Like old English style bitters would use the term "landlord" would be used in it a lot. Why is that? So mm. I thought it was. Why is it? Yeah, why? I, I, I know I, nothing. <laughs> I like it. That's fun. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Yeah. It's, uh, so I just uh, Bastard Landlord was a. So actually, at Get Well, we had it on as Bastard Landlord, I recall. Oh, that's uh, going to be the episode name. I love that. <laughs> it is a great name. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, so I made it and sold it as that for a while. And uh, yeah, it's just a really nice English ale, uh, ESB extra special bitter. So it's usually a little higher in alcohol. Uh, 
what is it? Five two. Yeah. ESB's the Fuller's ESB, I think, is up around five point seven or eight. Okay. So it's uh, a little lower. We made this one a little more drinkable. Uh so yeah, just using nice it's all English caramel malts. Uh basically uh, we use a lot of Mar- Maris Otter as the base malt, which is a classic mm. English malt. So that really helps with the maltiness. And then a combination of uh, a couple of different crystal malts and a little bit of chocolate malt. Just a touch of chocolate just for the, the color. Just a touch. Just a touch. Yeah. Mm. touch. Gentlemen. <laughs> Get that in you. Cheers. Cheers. Money. So much toffee and caramel. Super smooth. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's super clean. Um, George, it just reminded me when I was 2004. So I lived in Toronto for the first time in 2004. And I tried after for like seven months on the working holiday visa, traveled around Canada and the States and went to the UK. And my cousin lived in the UK. She lived in Manchester and we went up to visit her. And I remember going to a bar and I was always excited to drink the beers from wherever we were. Like I didn't know shit about beer, but I always drank the you know, macro, I guess, 2004, a different time. And I remember having, I think it's called John Smith Bitter. Oh, yeah, John Smith. I remember hating that shit. (laughs) And I was obviously had a beta palette at the time, didn't know Jack. Is that that an ESB? I don't know why it just sort of hit me now. It just made me think of it. I'm going to look it up on Untapped and see if it is, but you know what I mean? I mean, really... uh... I think it's called John Smith Bitter. So in English, like I yeah, guess it's like English bitter. And and when people hear bitter, I know in the tap room I say, "Oh, it's an English bitter." They're like, "Oh, I don't, I don't want to drink anything bitter." It's like, but bitter to the English was just like a little hint of bitterness, right? Like, <laughs> well, like hardly yeah. anything. <laughs> Looking at this John Smith, that looks very similar to this. So yeah, yeah. essentially, and I remember it being really creamy to the point where I remember I gave it to my cousin. I was like, "I can't drink this." because <laughs> like, i was that soft yeah. with what it was and this is a three I, this is kind of what you're saying it's a bit stronger this john smith is kind of like people are like, oh, I, I can't drink dark beer oh. yeah and I, I probably thought at the time guinness was hectic and not knowing i just you know it's, it's one of those things where you're just not super familiar with the, the styles and stuff but mm-hmm. so this yeah. is like a lot potentially bold i mean a solid two percent sort of more than a beer like that yeah, well, basically, you have, I'm trying to think of my BJCP styles, like ordinary bitter, and then a special bitter, then extra special bitter. Mm. Basically, it's just like it goes up a little bit more in alcohol, the percentage. ESB. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So ESBs, and it's just, it's honestly kind of a marketing thing back then. The, the beer companies were like, oh, this is our best bitter. In- right. Extra <laughs> <laughs> You make three or the best one. <laughs> okay, f- yeah. interesting. It's it's, so, it's just so so drinkable and so smooth. Yeah, like, and, and like and the flavors are so, like are so delicate as well. It's uh, like and like it's got quite a bit of complexity to it. There's nothing super bold or like or punching in the face, but it, like it's actually really quite delicate. Like there's like nice bits of sweetness to it, but it's not one note sweetness either. Like there, like there's a bit of caramel to it, like a bit of that, like you even get a bit of notes of chocolate to it kind of, um, 
kind of like some dried fruit notes to it as well. Yeah. There's a lot going on in this. A lot of that too is like we use all traditional English malt, English hops, but we also go the extra mile and get uh, uh, English yeast. So we use mm. a London ale strain that's a specific strain that really accent, accentuates the, uh, the, the dark fruits yeah. in there. So this some of that flavor is, some of that flavor is yeast derived where if you were to use just like a neutral, uh, California ale yeast, you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't get the same effect. Yeah. I bet you wouldn't. No, I can't, I yeah. can't imagine you. Well, that's what kind of makes the difference. Like really using authentic original, uh, ingredients that are, that have been used for you know decades, centuries, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine that makes all the difference in the world as far as the authenticity and sort of the experience of this. And this was like, this is this fantastic out of a can. I feel like on tap, it was. I mean, it's pretty similar, but I feel like I really enjoyed the experience on, on tap as well. Like, and I feel like it was a little different, which I think is extra cool when you compare the tap experience to a can. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this one, we, we put this one in the LCBO about a year ago, and it's been doing really well. Because I kind of saw it as a companion to the porter. Yeah. Uh, we, first, we were making it seasonally, so we were only making it once a year. Uh, and people loved it, but ESBs, there's a reason a lot of breweries don't make them, because they don't exactly fly off the shelves. Uh, but yeah. surprisingly, though, this one is <laughs> really... It just takes a while. You got to introduce it to more enough people, and it it it, it finds its its market, right? Uh, so, and once we put it in the LCBO, it was selling even better than we expected. That's great. Now, is that like a um a new thing for the style? Cause, like, just just for context, like I don't know if I told you this when we we're hanging out, because this is what I, once you know when you and me were you showed me the brewery and went to get the beers for the pod, this is what I chose to drink because I realized I hadn't had it before. And uh, I was, I, I, tell me if I told you this, but Nate and I had had a number of podcasts in the last 12 to 18 months where surprisingly breweries had chosen to send their ESB as, to, to showcase on the podcast. And that was always interesting to us. And there were breweries such as Rest in Peace, Barncat, who had done that. And I think oh, that yeah. was... That was the first time it happened, and we were like, "What the fuck?" Like an ESB, and that okay. was the, like that was the wildest one. <laughs> that was the wildest one, and that's the one that sticks out in memory. And then from then, it probably happened half a dozen times, and we were yeah quite surprised by it. And once again, like this was a style that I had in my head that I didn't like because of that John Smith experience nineteen years ago, and it was wasn't a bad beer. It was just I I wasn't ready for it. And in hindsight, it's not a big beer to get ready for, but, you know, I can understand if you think of it that people in their beer journey need to sort of work their way through those styles because it's not always going to be a, an easy thing. But to see – it feels like ESBs are having some sort of a uh, resurgence. Yeah, they are, yeah. Yeah, just like you might kind of gather – Like, I like to make beers that I like to drink, first of all, but obviously just easy, like – classic easy drinking beers drinkability is the big part right like so we like to make beers that you want to have more than one of uh a beer you know you try it i love that beer you're gonna have another one mm. this is definitely one of those beers very and once yeah. again 5.2 uh which is like you said 
the ESB makes the it's just like a little bit on the higher end because you know the John Smith was three six or whatever it was for like okay. Um, I read an it had some that's weird like ordinary like, bitter uh, ordinary ale I think it called itself and I was like oh that's a a very unmarketable well, really cool name too and you can make these very flavorful beers that are very very low alcohol which are mm. those are the original like session beers because they were made to drink in the pub and you could sit there and have like twelve four or five of them fine. You know, get up and walk out and yeah yeah maybe go shopping or something <laughs> maybe safely <laughs> drive home I don't know. Um, I mean, that makes sense. So the ESBs are a little more flavorful, a little on the higher end. But the thing that was curious to me was they, the, the popular kind of what we're talking about in the beginning, the popular, maybe we're talking about the, the, the hop contracting. And I was, I thought that maybe it was because of the popularity of lagers and I've seen that happen. I want to, I'm pulling this out of my ass a little bit, but around 2019, 2018, maybe I saw it start to sort of peak up a little bit. Uh, as far as m- seeing more places do it and where maybe they were doing slow pours, like the three-step slow pour or some places had a Luca or whatever. And then as you go from there, lagers, obviously the next step is to go into something like an ESB or a, a porter or, a, you know, oatmeal stouts and things that have been a little bit more on the traditional side, Czech beers, German beers, um, so on and so forth. And ESB is definitely a, a logical step in, in that uh, process. And um, it's it's yeah. it's interesting to me, but it's also like it makes sense. Like it's almost like oh wow, like all these breweries are doing. It. But I'm like oh, but if you're doing all the lagers and you know exploring that whole color wheel from you know Dunkels and and Schwarzbiers and the Czech and the German and blah blah blah, the whole Oktoberfest Marzens, blah blah blah. Then the box maybe, and then of course the British beers in the traditional sense, the porters and the and the stouts and the ESBs and blah blah blah. It's like all right, well. You know, breweries are obviously seeing a bit of a an interest in that, and I, I wonder if it's coming from the consumer side or from the brewer side. Probably a bit of both. Yeah, yeah. It's I think a bit cool. of both. Yeah, like uh, I, I love it. I love to see it, man. I mean, obviously for you, it's 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 less of a no brainer for you. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. This makes complete sense for Clifford to to have a an ESB that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a beer that was part of the original lineup, really. In fact, I just remembered I made a, I did make a batch I sold to bars once of Bastard Landlord, just one small batch. Just one. Yeah. Oh, that's where we were. Okay, so we're talking about that. I know we kind of always get caught up here, but it's, it's okay, part of the fun. The, but then it got renamed Dark Streets of London, which is also yes. a poke. Okay, so that's continuing it. And you renamed it, probably was easier to sell as a name like this as opposed to have a word that might be... Yeah, that and, I, that and I didn't want to offend my landlord either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not all landlords are bastards, I imagine. I'm sure there's some good ones out there. So then you had the porter going 2015. When did this one come in? Was it 2016? Oh, yeah. Uh, 2015 or 16, around okay. then. Yeah. Like was this a, a contract brewed version? Okay. Very, yeah, very small amount. I think okay. I so, five hex or something. Not in the LCBO then. This was just. But a, then it okay. was. Oh yeah, just uh, just kegs. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. But then uh, we were making it just kind of an English ale, basically on tap at the brewery when we first opened. Okay. Um. So I imagine we're probably moving towards the the brewery opening uh, part there. So then, Porter's doing well. It's in the LCBO. It's in uh, like fifty plus 
uh, bars around Toronto and, and Ontario in general. Um, how did that progress? And you'd moved out here. Uh, how did that progress to the the brewery itself sort of manifesting? Uh, <laughs> you yeah, guys might have Huh? You might have to take a quick break. <laughs> oh, go for it. Uh, yeah, go for yeah. It. Take your time. You know what? We could all take a quick pause. We'll be back in a sec. Yeah. And we're back. All righty. So, Uncle Bradley, the dark streets of London, did that ever contract brew at all? Or aside from those small, you know, five-hack batches, did that ever contract brew in a larger format? Or was it, excuse me, pretty on the, you know, I'm on the brewery vaguely, vaguely remembering I contract brewed one batch of it. Uh, just one batch. One I batch. Had Grand, Grand River, and it wasn't even very much beer. Uh, okay. This is Okay. And I don't, I don't even think it turned out quite as good as it should have turned out. Gotcha. Uh, not nearly as good as it tastes right now. Of course. Of course but, you're brewing it somewhere else, someone else's equipment. And, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So then 2016, I imagine that's probably where the planning started for the, the brewery down here. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, so yeah, 15, 16, you know, doing 16 was getting Clifford Porter and the LCBO. Okay. Uh, and then somewhere around there, around 17 actually swapped it out for pinball wizard for a little while. Okay. I was, I was trying to get pinball wizard in the LCBO and, uh, I recall it It got declined, which is very common. Anyone who understands the LCPO system knows what declined means. Um, <laughs> what, what does that so mean? Did it mean like... Well, I sent an email to the, the product managers basically saying, this is a great beer, you know, like you should really reconsider this. Okay. I got, I got a reply like weeks later being like, you know, you're right. We absolutely love the beer. We want it in the LCPO. Uh, like we'd love to have it, but... Essentially, they weren't going to give me another another listing, so they're like, "But you can switch this one out, uh, like halfway through the year." So I sold Porter through the uh, oh the colder months, winter and- months, and then through the spring summer or fall winter Porter, uh, and then spring summer LCB yeah. <laughs> Pinball Wizard. <laughs> I mean, that makes why, why couldn't they give you a second listing? Was it there a reason oh. for that? Well, this was like even back even then the LCBO was just starting to get overrun with all these all the craft breweries that were opening in Ontario, right? And then you have a very you have a very limited amount of shelf space, even more limited now than ever before, mm. with so many different brands or so many different breweries all trying to get their beer and multiple SKUs, as we call them, into the LCBO. Mm. That makes yeah. sense. So then swap that out with pinball. That means there's two SKUs that have been really sort of, uh, aside from this, maybe on the smaller scale, that have been uh, sort of like crafting the brand in the minds of the consumers um, yeah. in 2015 um, and 2016. So then when did, so because you, you moved to Hamilton, you were like, all right, well, this is where I want to start. Yeah, I, I was actually still working in Toronto. I still worked there on the weekend. So I spent, quite a bit of time like going back and forth, but uh, I had a, I had an arrangement where I could basically during the week, like four days of the week I had free to do 
my brewing. And then on the weekends, I went back and worked in the financial world in Toronto <laughs> uh, on the weekends, which was kind of a, a, a strange setup, but it was like a 24-hour business there. So Makes sense. Uh, yeah. So basically started looking uh, for a space in Hamilton in, oh, what was that, the beginning of 2017? Okay. And uh, late 2016 and found uh, basically a big warehouse space over in the east side of, uh, of Hamilton. Uh, right off the Red Hill Valley Parkway on Nash Road North. It, was, it had been sitting empty for about a year. It used to be a mega. And really, it just seemed to check all the boxes. The biggest box being that, hey, you can open a brewery here. Uh, when I say that, I mean uh, legally, uh, zoning-wise, in the in Hamilton, uh, they would they would authorize a brewery to operate in that area. Right, and I think the uh, you the it just cut out when you said it, but I'm I'm pretty sure you were saying it was a mattress factory. Yes, it was for that. Yeah, the yeah the building that we located. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um. And my dog, <laughs> he came down when I went to the bathroom, and then now he's eating the books. Bear, don't eat the books. Oi. <laughs> the books that were holding the computer up. Oh, man. Come here, buddy. Come here. Sorry, guys. He's actually pretty yeah. cute if we get you. Come here. Oh, buddy, come here. No on the books. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, no, so that's then, all right. The, oh, boy. Here we go. I know, I'm just trying to like get it out of his mouth because it's right here. Just so then, you locked that one in pretty much straight away. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Well, it was actually me, me and my father that were, uh, uh, you know, we were looking at the a few different places, basically, kind of putting together a financial plan. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, my dad is an investor in in the brewery. Helped me get it get it open. Oh, love that family, family business. Yeah, uh, very much. It was a yeah family affair. Uh, that we you know we saw this place and basically was like, well, this seems like th this will work, right? So um, there was a lot of some back and forth with, with the landlord. You know, can you do this? Can you do that? But. Basically, at the end of the day, it was like we knew that that was going to be the place. And, and if we didn't do it then, if I hadn't pulled the trigger on that particular place, there probably wouldn't even be a Clifford Brewery. So, mm. so it, was it, was it everything, the stars aligned and it, it all worked out. <laughs> what, was it that difficult to find a suitable I, – I mean, I know you and I were speaking sort of off air the other day about the difficulties of Hamilton. You did allude to it here. No need to go into it. But was it the – was it that that made you like, oh, I've got a spot, I need to grab what I can? Or was it more just like the, the sheer sort of lack of uh, opportunities? Yeah, well, it's the reason I, like I said that, just a little perspective, because there really wasn't anything else, like a building that was, that was available for lease that was in the properly zoned area. Uh, and uh, I, I quickly became friends, actually, because – Around that same time, Merritt was opening, Fairweather was opening, Grain and Grit was opening. We were all kind of all under construction almost in the same year. 
they were a little bit ahead of me. Like they had already signed leases and were working on their, their buildings, but we were just signing a lease. So they were about eight, 10 months ahead of me. Gotcha. Uh, and, but we all got together and talked to each other and shared information about how to do anything and everything. Right. And Fairweather was amazing. Actually, they were very helpful because they were like a few steps ahead of me on, uh, and they had actually looked at the building that we're in now. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, really? they looked at that building. It was it was potential, but then they found uh, <clears throat> found the building they're in, which is definitely perfect perfect for them. Hell yeah! But it all had to do with this is what a little bit what we talked about. It all had to do with the very kind of restrictive zoning uh, laws in Hamilton. Uh, now they've they made it easier, but in 2016, 17. It was very hard to find. Uh, essentially, it had to be an industrial zoned area. There was no way you could right. open a brewery if it wasn't in an industrial zoned area, which was the reason why Hamilton had very few breweries. Well, next to none. Right. <laughs> essentially, <laughs> uh, like there was Lakeport Brewery, which is famous, and it was the mm-hmm. Amstel Brewery before that uh in the 90s but that was in the north end where it was heavy industrial zoned for that so it was a little easier to slide that in yeah but craft breweries basically the the city they didn't really understand what they were and they're like "Ah, i don't like i don't know if we want those here right we don't want those here craft breweries yeah is it was it just a lack of understanding of a lack of understanding exactly very big yeah lack of understanding i mean that's that's a shame but i mean Oh, fuck's sake, this dog is eating something. And like a really um, lost opportunity for the city. Big for that. Yeah, well, the, 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 like until that. I'm not going to say the dog keep talking bad about Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Love <laughs> no, 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 no. Great for me, but but it, you talk to a lot of people here that have done great things, like entrepreneurs that have done a lot for the city. Like we all, they all have their 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 complaints that you know you're 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 working against the tide or like. There's a lot of forces pushing against you uh, when it should be yeah. the opposite. Oh, it's really it, it's really unfortunate because Hamilton does have quite a vibrant brewing scene now, and uh, like with so many of the ones that we've already mentioned. But like, it's really unfortunate to hear that there's kind of such a tide pushing against them in. Uh, like in trying to build the businesses that they, like that they have managed to build because you know it feels like the brewing scene could have been as vibrant as it is now a lot sooner if there hadn't been quite so many difficulties in uh, like in getting to this point yeah and it kind of took a little bit of creativity ingenuity and luck to get them open the breweries that do exist because uh, we yeah, I could tell a lot of we didn't do it. We didn't do it using money. <laughs> money was not. Yeah, happening. yeah. <laughs> uh, we didn't have a lot of. We only had enough money to buy our brew equipment, and that was about it. So, whereas right. you know, usually money can you know do anything, right? Like uh, in the right. Well, sure, but yeah, I, I mean, but like, like we've already said, uh, there's not a lot of people who get into the uh, they, who, who get into the craft brewing business either with a lot of money or to make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, looking back now, it was yeah, it was a really cool, cool experience, great time. Uh, I I remember going over to Fairweather, meeting those guys for the first time, and they were like digging drains, and you know, it was oh, just, yeah. 
It was a complete, yeah, a complete construction site. Uh, and uh, yeah, we just, we became fast friends. It's like, hey, I, so apparently I need to get an engineer or a drawing. How the hell do I do that? Like, oh, yeah, we can see you do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, we'll just yeah. share ours with you and you can just like do this. And like, and honestly, like, oh, yeah, why like, not? <laughs> like, who do I, who do I talk to to do this? Oh, talk to yeah. this person. We did this. You should do that too. You know, so there was a lot of that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised to hear that. They're a fantastic bunch of folks there at Fairweather. It makes me happy yeah. to hear that about the Hamilton breweries that the guys work so close together to really help each other open, particularly in a city that's maybe have, has a little bit more challenges than some of the other cities surrounding. So it's like, yeah. it's super cool that like, I was saying to you, Brad, as well, that like it, it always confused me and you kind of explained it, why maybe it's a little more just the, the regulations and stuff here. Like, why do we have, we're the third biggest city in Ontario, but we have seven breweries, eight breweries? Yeah. And it makes no sense for the volume of population. We could absolutely sustain more. Um, yeah. Really and most of, like I, I told you a bit of the, like how Sean and Ed, I know it's no secret that they, it was an uphill battle for them to open in Dundas. So yeah, it was a little easier, maybe I don't say easy, but collective arts opened in, an, in what was once a brewery. Right. Uh, and that was when they paired mm. with Nickelback to the partnership. Right. The arts and yeah, and then shot red, but then uh, the rest of us, which are kind of more, I was gonna say the scrappy underdogs, right? (laughs) (laughs) We did it more, you know, grassroots, uh, like just sharing information with each other. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Victor North, uh, he was an inspiration for me to come to Hamilton and. He was not able to get a brewery open here just because he wanted to open a brew pub, but he wanted to do it downtown. But it was, it was too difficult and couldn't get over the hurdles. Basically, that's unfortunate. Super unfortunate, and it's like I don't know it doesn't make sense to me without knowing all of the inside you know reasons for it. It feels like a lot of the 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 uh, what's the word. Um, red tape and such is like we've always done it this way and as opposed to like oh look at logic like none of it is logical it's completely just bureaucrats being like we do it like this or this is how it's done and if you don't follow the rules that were written in 1928 then you're not gonna fuck it over it's it's just so absurd and particularly in a time when we lost how many small businesses in the last few years like you wouldn't make it easier for somebody to do it and who like if you're employing people i feel like you should be praised on hands and knees type thing it's yeah and like you know what breweries do for the community local communities right like they're yeah they 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 totally change areas i'm not saying we've changed the area that we're in but it's it's a lot different than when we first moved in it's uh you know more important than people give them credit for yeah, we, we yeah, bring a lot sure. of traffic in down into the area of uh, Hamilton that we're in that before there was not as much, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, you can, right. you can yeah. definitely tell it's quite an industrial zone, but I feel like breweries that bring people into industrial zones, you're sitting on the patio, you're like, oh, what's that business over there? And you're seeing it from the, you know, across the street from you guys, there's a whole, like, it's like a little strip of stuff. And I remember when we first went yeah. and sat on the patio, we we're like, oh, what's going on there? And you're like looking around, sussing out the area, seeing what's going on. Like, 
that's part of the the whole yeah. thing, you know? Trying to learn all the different stuff and all down button there. There's a whole bunch of different stuff just off where you guys are. It's Oh yeah. yeah. It's uh yeah, I should mention we're we're still in East Hamilton because many are like, oh, Clifford Brewery's in Stony Creek. But Stony Creek's a little further over. No, a little more than Yeah, <laughs> than Stony Creek. Where. Yeah. Uh, but Stony, we might as well be in Stony Creek, essentially. Hey, relax. Kind of, You're like 10 minutes from me. We're not, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> like it, I, I feel like it's like... <laughs> It's like, I get it. I know what you're talking about because you keep going down Barton and you hit Centennial there just after um, Long and McQuaid. Like, yes. just after that because that's where we got this bad boy and everything. Like, that's Stony Creek there. Cool. But I feel like you guys are deep, you know, like, there's still a lot between you guys and there. Oh, yeah. On, for sure. on Barton. It's, yeah, it's it's interesting. Even when we got our car, like the Hyundai's on, on, on Barton just up there. Like there's a lot happening in between that stuff. We go to the recycling place all the time. You take, you know, you buy a big piece of furniture, you take all the Ikea shit back to that fucking, what's it called? The, whatever, the recycling, Kenora recycling center or something. The dump. The the dump, (laughs) which is pretty dope because you got, you just drone there, you just drop the shit off. It's wicked. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Super convenient. That's why I was like, oh, you're here. Cause I'm like, we get off the next one. (laughs) I like to joke. We're the brewery by the dump. But, well, it's a very convenient dump. It's a very nice dump. It's not like a dump in Australia. They're just like big landfills. This is like big, like, you know, blue, like, things that trucks can move. It's very interesting. Different type of dump. Um, yes. <laughs> but it's a, it's a good dump. So, is, so is, the, is the episode name now going to be a very nice dump? <laughs> I would know. I, I feel like that would be funny, but inappropriate. We would never. No, 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 yeah, no, no, no. That, 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 that would not, like, that would not do any justice to Clifford Brewing. <laughs> no, I, I really think Boston Landlord's the one. For, for, no, for I think guy. so. I think yeah. so. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Wait. Sorry. I, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to interject now. Because uh, I, because I have, because I have just fully tapped my ESB. Um, are we? Are like? Are we? What, what are we thinking? Do we think in one more? Two more? What are we doing? Oh, wait, don't go. One more to bring her home? God, as many of you guys want. I'll do three, six. I'll do six more. <laughs> um, what do we want to do next? We're, only, we're not even at two hours yet. All right, Brad, what do you reckon? Oh, you want to do another logger? You want to do chain link? Yeah, let's do it. Chain link slaps. Hey, so I haven't had it since it's changed the... Uh, can out here, right here, looking very Vienna-y. Now, you know what? I'm actually not sure I have this one. Oh, yeah? It's the Vienna Lager. I am pretty sure I don't have this one. Okay. (laughs) We can do a different one. Maybe I forgot to send you this one. Double double check, but... I, 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 I will double check, but I'm quite certain. Okay. So then, in lieu of that... What's another option? What about um, Devil's Punch Bowl? Oh, yeah. Because that's a, a lager. That's an ISO. That's another lager, yeah. Do you have that one, Nate? I do, yes. No, I okay, I was right. I don't have the Vienna. Okay. Oh, but, okay. I do have, but I do have Devil's Punch Bowl. I'm down for that. Boom. 
I think I had this I one the first time on tap at the I brewery. Grab one from the fridge. Grab it. Oh yeah. ISL, love to see it. Four point eight percent. An India session lager. Would that be considered a um? Like, is that essentially a hoppy lager at that point? Yes. So a bit of the backstory just on this one quickly. Uh, the early days of the brewery, we only, you know, I only had four fermenters. So we were making Pinball Porter, East Hamilton, and then something else, probably EH, EH uh, sorry, not EHL, uh, Dark Streets hmm. slash Master Landlord. Uh, and it was like, how can we get another beer? Uh, so I kind of got creative and uh, experimenting with dry hopping East Hamilton lager, usually with citra hops, but different, uh, basically, yeah, very fruity hops. Because uh, that, uh, what are they called? Basically, uh, no, sorry, I'm blanking. India Pale Loggers. Yeah, yeah, IPLs, all, all these acronyms. India Pale Loggers were becoming very popular at the time. So, uh, so yeah, we were taking East Hamilton, dry hopping it, trying out different combinations, and then I came up with the idea, what about an India Session Logger? So it was on tap at the brewery the early, the first year. We had it on tap, just that. It didn't have a name. And then uh, the name, actually a former employee came up with the name, which was very good, Devil's Punch Bowl, because the Devil's Punch Bowl is the famous the waterfall yeah, uh, right there in Stony Creek, uh, just yeah. up the, up the, not far from the brewery. Not far, uh, but not far. The brewery is in Hamilton, the brewery. Yeah, and it's just it's a cool name. Making clear, yeah, super dope name. And, uh, not that you're getting, not that you're getting defensive or anything, but <laughs> you're better holding these up. Like a, uh, I should mention next week, Greg Poole is my designer. I think that's Greg. This is weird. Uh, I'm getting better at this. Towards your face. <laughs> there you go. Oh, you hold it over your face. Yeah, that's what I used yeah. to do before phones had the the back camera. And you could only take no, no. Before they had the front camera, and I had to take the beer selfies with the back camera. I used to put it, put the beer can on my head because I knew where my head was in time and space, and I was able to get that. Otherwise, if I did it anywhere else, it was thirty-five photos until you got the damn thing. Mm -hmm. uh, good times, right? <laughs> good times. Uh, ISL. Cheers, legend. Cheers. Cheers. Drink this one from the great. can. Mm. Oh yeah, that's lovely. Well, yeah. To be honest, oh, yeah. like people say, "What is your favorite beer?" And I don't really have a favorite, but the beer I probably drink the most of is Devil's Punch Bowl. Okay, mm. why is that? Would you say it's just a it's a lager? It's super easy drinking, but it's got that that really nice hop character. Mm. Uh, we now we use often use cryo citra as the Ooh. dry hop. Hell yeah! Which really okay. comes through. Not very much, just enough to give it that little pop and flavor. Yeah, man, it definitely popped. There's definitely like a a nice punchy pun intended um, 
like tropical flavor in there that kind of ramps up over and above that bready malt a uh, little yeah. bit. Yeah, you know, that the the grassy yeah. bitterness is still there, super smooth. You know, similarish to the East East Ham Lager, but uh, sort of ramped up. Even though technically it's a lower ABV in it, slightly. Yeah, well, India session. I mean, it's, so it's it's under five. We probably brew it more about four point five percent. So that was the thing. The yeah. early batches were East Hamilton with the dry hop, but then we started making it as its own beer. Gotcha. Uh, and we started really like we upped the whirlpool hops with citra, uh, so there's a lot of citra hops in it. But it's so it's a nice hybrid of a, a lager with a, an IPA, basically. Hell yeah, cool style, man. So oh, I, I love this. It's yeah. uh, um, yeah, like just sub five at four point eight. Like there's nothing, there's nothing sacrificed in body. Um, but like, it, like it definitely still has, uh, like still has something there and like grapefruit pith, like a really nice kind of dry hop bitterness to it with a ton of citrus and uh, like, and grassy flavor going on to it. This is real nice. Yeah. yeah citrus, grassy. Like we're not trying to reinvent the wheel or anything. It's just a tasty beer. To... Mm-hmm. Here for it. No, this this works well, and I like I just checked when I had it, it was July thirtieth. So like nice and warm afternoon, crushing this on the patio. Money. Oh yeah, yeah. This this went down. A oh trip. yeah, that would be. And you had it. Yeah. Yes, that was before we'd sort of connected properly. Um, yeah, it wasn't there that day. <laughs> yes, it was a uh, late, you know, late late decision in the afternoon on a weekend. We're like, oh, let's go to, like a couple places we haven't been. Like let's make sure we do that, and we we're like, yeah, fuck it, let's go, and it was great. And I, I very much enjoyed. It. I thought this was like the perfect. Excuse me, because uh, I had the East Ham Lager a bunch of times, so I was like, "All right, well, let me uh, try something different." And and this was this was great. I'm a huge fan of IPLs or ISLs, sort of relatively. The only difference is kind of ABV, but a matter of like a fraction of a percentage of, of alcohol for the most part. IPLs aren't yeah. exactly like high ABV; they're like five to six, maybe. So it's not like too crazy, but this this is great, man. Super crushable and just like you know, cryo citra. Fuck yeah, it's just it's like a nice little tropical punch. I love like hoppy lagers. It's just yeah, it's such a, a great lager. style, man. Such a great style, yeah. and this works so well. Um, yeah, both. Bo- I, mean, I was I was starting to say about the, the labels. Yeah, so yeah, Greg, yeah, yeah. Greg did a fantastic job on this one. All of our labels oh, yeah, are lovely. Greg Greg Poole. Um, uh, underground productions and uh i first i met him through actually uh i'm sorry i'm blanking on the he, he lives up in durham uh the five paddles brewery oh yeah he used to do oh yeah design for those guys he was a friend of theirs and i met him and that this was going back 20 i think it was 16 and i i emailed him and said hey uh i i heard your you do design would you do would you design my pinball wizard label so he did the pinball wizard label uh that is the original and still exists so that was the first one he did for me and then he's done everyone since hell yeah uh, nice people are always complimenting like how great the design labels are and basically i just i just tell greg hey i got a new idea for a beer this is the name and he usually gets it like first or second try like bam he sent he just sends me some amazing artwork that's sick man very convenient yeah. when you got a good person that just like meshes with 
your vision for it and uh yeah and he's done he's done every one of our labels except clifford porter okay because clifford porter was my friend uh karen champagne who did the the original clifford logo and then he did the porter which uh, makes so sense that was the only one greg didn't do the logo i mean i mean this is the metro one but like the logo the logo is primarily the yeah the label so it's like uh yeah that makes sense but that's uh that's dope man i like that's what you need that consistency in the branding and and you guys one thing you do at the brewery which is super cool you, you know you're selling the prints in frames which is cool in like you know little guys plus like much larger ones of the uh, yeah. of the labels of all, the designs, all the labels yeah it's sick man it's like it's a really cool merch idea and stuff and like a lot of people have little rooms you know basements garages whatever where they keep all their beer stuff and people love stickers and posters and if you already got it pre-framed it's like it's a no-brainer like hell yeah i got a space let me so this is a great beer i want to represent for that chuck it on the on the wall it looks awesome yeah and the yeah. frames uh Basically, they're like reclaimed uh, barn barn wood. Uh, my friend Darren makes those for for me. Very cool, yeah, man. That's dope. Once yeah, again, each one them. each one is custom handmade. He spends a lot of time making them. And when he started out, they were pretty simple, but then he kept getting more like technical in the frames and adding little bits to them. That's yeah. dope. And keeps the money in the local economy to small businesses and small artisans and stuff, which I think is. Uh, like more than ever i think that's more important yeah like to, to to really yeah. support local businesses at a time when you know we're in a bit of an economic downturn like that's how you got to keep people going and keep the money local it's uh it's awesome i love that yeah, yeah. um and this is uh while we're talking about the labels here this is yeah. uh, like this is a small thing but uh, like but interesting and noteworthy all of these labels are full wraps mm. none, yeah. of, uh, none of them Your are stickers. stickers they're all full wraps we did the stickers for a while. Uh, yeah, we were doing them for a while, and a lot of the early beers, but then the wraps just became easier. Uh, yeah, well, they, they look better. The stickers are actually easier, but I like the look of them. The, wrap, you, the, the, the wraps do like the wraps do look clean AF. It's true. Yeah, yeah the, wrap, the wraps look sick. Yeah. Um, have you done the like? Usually, what what I've seen is usually it's like so the stickers for one offs. Then it goes to wraps, and then people do the full on. I don't know what it's called, but it's like that digital printing, like hot print in Montreal. I think they've they've actually set up out here, and they do like a digital yeah. print on the can as opposed to the plastic wrap. Because I think there was some sort of government issue. There is, yeah. Well, that's single use plastics are soon to become mm. extinct. Yeah, this is considered a single use plastic. Uh, gotcha. Right. So. The rumor is that, that that is coming to Ontario. So I know all the, the major can producers are starting to, they're all setting up to start going digital. Gotcha. Uh, digital print. So we're actually doing a digital print on a can soon. We're testing it out. Hell yeah. And Ooh. that is going to be the Imperial Porter. Ooh. Uh, we made one years ago. We're going to make another batch of that. You know what? I checked oh, it. Was, okay. I think I have one can of that left in my cellar, the Imperial version. <laughs> uh, it's got the night on it. Yeah. The the yeah. one from a few years back. Um, killer. Because I, I think I, I drank one. I was like, let me keep one extra for a little bit. Let's sit yeah. on that. That'd be about um, three years old. Really it's probably sitting good. Probably sitting good right now. 
um these beers yeah. last one that's awesome yeah i like i mean the the wraps look super clean <clears throat> and if if that's where it's got to go with the printing then then cool and it, i mean it's the, kind yeah, of the, same, the same end product yeah the technology you know, is just the, getting they, to a place where they can do the printing right on the can for small runs because before yeah. you had to do to do a printed can you had to order it through crown the, the largest can producer in north america if not the world and you had to order a truckload, which we did for the porter. So we ordered a hundred thousand cans of Damn. porter. Wow. Uh, yeah, which we were going through pretty good, and we got oh, through God. a lot of them, and then so much so we needed another truckload. Uh, but then porter sales kind of slowed because Loblaws. Oh, I see. What you yeah, mean. you can see it's printed. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's printed. printed. Yeah. Yeah, and then of course prices went up. You still get if you do buy the truckload, like it's an amazing deal. You're getting the, the cans much cheaper, but you need some place to store twenty pallets of cans. <laughs> right, it's that's uh, a lot of cans. That's a lot of cans. <laughs> a lot of cans, especially for Porter. <laughs> so is that changed right. now? With like I know I saw uh, at the OCB I saw hot print in the uh, the exhibition hall and we'd had we did a video with them uh, last year just talking about sort of printing was it last year this no it was last year um, and that was sort of interesting talking about sort of the evolution of cans and why they're doing their thing and I, I know that they were expanding to both Chicago and Ontario from Montreal because I think they were one of the first to really build it out and be able to do the smaller runs which is kind of what you were alluding to was to be able to do that so I think that maybe more players are going to be in the game doing digital printing oh there's going to be a lot it's going to be everywhere very soon yeah mm. whereas yeah the printing of the porter cans that's like offset printing where you they make the plates and they run I, I I know a bit about this because I've worked in printing for 20 years prior to brewing. <laughs> Very convenient. No one can rip you off. You like, <laughs> nice try, buddy. I know how this fucking goes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I, yeah, it's clean. Yeah. Do you ever do the stickers for anything like for a short run? Say if you do like a, I know when we were talking, you you do a lot of uh, well a bunch of sort of like I don't want to call them core flagship sort of year rounders. But then there's a whole bunch of cool seasonals that you would bust out, whether it's like different IPAs and things like that in, in different parts of the year. And, you know, say the Imperial Porter that you're referring to. Do you ever do stickers for those or is it sort of more? Um... The last time comes to mind that we did the stickers was for a collab with Anderson, Anderson Ales in London. Mm -hmm. The Scotch uh, Big fans. Yeah, they're an awesome brewery. Gavin Anderson's great, great dude. Gavin's and, a great dude, yeah. Yeah, we did a we did a Scotch ale uh, with them uh, that turned out really really good. We're really happy with. It. So we did a sticker can for that in a short can. That's dope. Yeah, and so like typically though, you really wouldn't do that. It would always be kind of like the wrapped or um, yeah. Well, now into. we've kind of we made so many different beers that it's like. At the time, the stickers were kind of like, oh, shit, we need a label, like, right away. So it's easier and faster to do a sticker than it is to do a – but the other thing is you don't want to put the stickers on by hand. So – but we do do that sometimes. Um, That's a lot. There's some canning companies that will put the stickers on for you. We don't have the the setup to put them on in line. 
Ah, because it's like a separate little thing with the camera. It's a separate piece of machinery, which is probably a thirty, forty thousand dollars piece of machinery. That's just another thing that'll constantly break and give you a lot of trouble. Yeah. That's not no money. (laughs) No. Manufacturing. God, that's a whole thing. Which is why I prefer to do sleeves. Yeah. Because the sleeves have come down in in price. They're they're you know, cans are still really expensive. Like Essentially, like in any craft can in a short run, you're looking at like 40 cents for just a can. Damn. And not to mention all the tax that's Ontario specifically. Yeah. Uh, so, like, when you see a can that's four bucks, well, it's like 40, 45 cents could be the can alone. And then another 50 yeah. cents. Can. Isn't it more uh, than that? Isn't it like 60 cents times two for two different types of taxes? Oh, you're right. I'm only including uh, Ontario. Yeah, I'm not yeah. Then there's that. another one, and then uh, federal the man- excise. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Then the manufacturing costs and labor, and then whatever's left. Then you got to sell it to the LCBA for wholesale, and they're going to make a profit too. <laughs> so then they're going to sell it for a little more. Yeah, it's a whole thing, bro. Yeah. Beer is a wild ass industry. So to sort of bring this, I feel like we're still going with the story. This is great because we're just getting like slowly cruising through the story. Um. And then, so you found the place, you're like, hell yeah, this is the one, dealt with the city, all the different things you had to do to get it open, and you opened in 2017? Yeah, well, dealt with the city, essentially I got a zoning verification that said, you can open a brewery here, like, we we will allow you to have a brewery at this spot. Uh, So yeah, so then we signed a five-year lease, and uh, then it was like, okay, now we got to buy a brew house, we got to... We got to build a brewery. <laughs> how, how the hell do I do that? Well, right. basically, I've, I've seen a lot of other people do it, so I had a rough idea how to do it. Uh, you know, you got to get a cold room, got to get the, the brew house, got to get the tanks. I, I already had the manufacturing license. I was, I was already making and selling beer, but making a place where I could make my own beer on site. Different story. And, uh, you know, it wasn't that hard, but it wasn't that easy either. It was, uh, we, I feel pretty fortunate. It actually came together pretty, you know, pretty good. We were able to get open in about nine, 10 months, roughly, which, uh, you know, is not bad. No, exactly. Uh, you know, there was really doing all the plumbing, electrical, uh, yeah, without getting into all that, basically. It was just, uh, anyone that's gone through it knows there's it, everything takes about twice as long as you think it's going to take. Uh, yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, we got our equipment, we got it set up, and we started brewing in November of 2017. Was like I think the first batch was Pinball Wizard. We were actually brewing it in Hamilton. I was brewing it on the system. I say I because there were no employees. It was just myself, <laughs> myself and my father. Uh, and uh, yeah, then we got the retail license, the tap room. Uh, you know, I had some friends helping me out, like in the tap room, but you know, didn't even really have an employee at the time. Uh, Damn, we were just like basically, I was, I was I was winging it, figuring it out as I went along, right? And uh, but it all worked out. That's so bad. <laughs> there you How- go. Have so basically since then and and to now, like what's the 
like, is there any sort of thoughts on sort of the way the scene has grown and changed since, uh, you know, late 2017 to now late 2023? That's like six full years of the actual uh, physical business being around. Um, you know, a bunch more breweries have opened in Hamilton. Like I said, I think we're at around eight now. You must have been in the first two, three, four. Uh, well, actually, Merritt, Great and Grit, and Fairweather all opened. I mean, Fairweather opened just about a, maybe a year before, not even quite a year. Great and Grit, okay. like seven or eight months. And then we opened, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, not that that timeline really matters that much, but uh, around the same time. So there were. It was sort of like you were a part of the sort of like that that big growth spurt. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's how to put it. The growth spurt. Yes. Twenty seventeen eighteen was when it was just like wow. Like Hamilton has breweries now, right? Yeah. And the one thing about like people in Hamilton are amazing. They they really support their local businesses, and uh, we got a lot of people in right away that you know became fast friends and big supporters. A lot of people came, you know, people from the area, like really just blue collar workers, right. Who normally didn't even drink craft beer. were like, Oh, I, this, this isn't bad. I don't mind this. I'm going to start hanging out here. Right. And, and yeah, we just started creating our own little, you know, our own little scene over the there. On pocket way over on the East end, which we're the only brewery on the East side of Hamilton. All the others open on the West, which as you know, the That's East the is a little point. bit, uh, <clears throat> You know, the more I like, like to think blue collar, yeah, it's, industrial it's, it's, it's zones, zone. yeah, I can see that for sure. And like, I'm just trying to picture because I'm once again, I've only been here like a year and a bit, so I'm still off the top of my head. It's sort of sometimes hard to picture. Like, it's taken a while when you like you're driving down the street, like, oh, this connects to here. Like, I'm still in that phase yeah. of my living mm-hmm. here to understand where everything kind of comes together and but. I'm getting it more and more and I completely understand it. Cause you, where I am, you're like 10 minutes from me, but I'm also 10 minutes from Merritt and a little further from the other guys on the West side um, over there. So it's like, it's, there isn't anything else around where you are, which I would say it's in that sort of industrial zone, but there's almost like more potential for more breweries in, in that whole sort of strip kind of where you are down if you go down Barton towards Stony Creek East yeah like, there's so much potential and like I feel like the city could th- there's a lot of well I-, I would love to see more because basically like you know what like Grain and Grid and, and Fair where they have on the same essentially down near the same street technically yeah, I mean kitty corner yeah exactly it's like just up the street I mean technically the Fairweather's side of their building is on the same street as Grain and Grid but the address is the other street um, the east side could absolutely, you know, like you know, it's one of those strange businesses in beer where you can have multiple ones of the same thing, and um, it uh, it, it end up being better because you're like, oh, well, cool, let's spend an afternoon, let's go to Clifford, and then X, and then X, and you kind of going to all of these different places in one day. So, like, I feel like the 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 area could absolutely sustain some more um businesses in that in that vein. But um, yeah, I guess sort of you know it's, it's a challenging time in history 
and economically, but also sort of maybe it sounds like the, the, the way the city works is a little more challenging as well to. Well, yeah, to be ahead. honest, like, you know, 2018, nine, I wouldn't have been surprised if another brewery had opened some, somewhere on the east side of Hamilton. Like, right. I was kind of really surprised for a couple of years. None did really. Mm. It was kind of like, and then actually they kind of changed because I told you about kind of the zoning issues. There was uh, the city council voted on because the the LRT is a big thing in Hamilton that's been quite controversial controversial about going in along uh, along Main Street. Mm-hmm. So basically, they changed some zoning where they were going to allow craft breweries were allowed to go in along that stretch, but they also limited the size, but no bigger than three thousand square feet, <laughs> or maybe is- it was five thousand square feet, which is kind of laughable that's kind of that's pretty small like we're, we're right. in a ten thousand square foot building right so, so three thousand you're not going to achieve too much but again it's like why why put a limit on the square footage of the building like, yeah <laughs> it's absurd and you were showing me without going into details you were showing me another brewery that almost opened sort of I don't even want to say where, but sort of not too far off from Main Street and stuff. And they had so many troubles with dealing with the city with that. They ended up abandoning that plan and, uh, you know, not not going through it, which is a a definite shame because that could have lead, you know, led to so many opportunities. And like, you know, I knew Hamilton because I used to come through on the way back from on the way to or back from Niagara, going to the wine region, be like, all right, well, let me go check some breweries out on the way home to, you know, balance out the palette here and that was a part of the the fun of you know living in montreal coming to toronto and then like hey i'm gonna go to niagara so like there's probably a bunch of people that would pop in and like you know there's a lot of potential i guess is all is, is for for tourists yeah. for tourism plus locals you yeah. know just uh it's, it's, yeah, so much potential yeah so much it's potential. once again third biggest in ontario it's a little absurd that there's not there's there's cities that are smaller significantly smaller with more and, yes. Uh, yeah. it no, I do find sense. those. I mean, I know like C- Cambridge comes to mind. I know like so many breweries opened up in Cambridge. Yeah, and a lot of breweries are struggling true. too, and some have closed because there just isn't. There's not. A, there's not enough market. There's not enough people interested in the beer. Mm. In mm-hmm. So then, am I incorrect saying that Hamilton could handle more? Do you think that maybe we're at a saturation point, or at least for this particular point in history, it's a no, I think Hamilton could absolutely handle more. Okay, I'm not encouraging it, but it, it could. It, it could. Maybe, maybe it, when you say not encouraging it, is that from a like, hey, I don't want you to have to go through the fuckery, or is it more like? I I was kind of half joking. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious, but I don't want that either. No. No, because like you know how people are with breweries, right? Like you want to make is an excuse if you could go to an area and spend a whole afternoon to an evening going between two or three breweries, people would do that, yeah. and uh, it's it's just the nature of beer fans for the most part. There's different types oh, yeah. of beer consumers, but a lot of people like to do a little crawl. But hey, man, it's Saturday, let's go at noon to this place and then at 2 p.m we'll go here and then 4 p.m we'll go here and you've made this whole little rounds and you've gone and supported a bunch of different breweries and bought beers and to-go beers and merch and you know there's a whole bunch of just you know yeah oh yeah it's a big tourism driver yeah yeah for sure enough people recognize that that it it it's 
yeah, things are changing. I think. I think. Yeah, it's um. Either way, though, it seems like a real uh, being here now, you know, for a year and a bit, and it feels like a uh, a super positive place to be. And I feel like people are very proud. Oh, yeah, I think that's something you and I were talking. It reminds me of Quebec a little bit. There's a there's an element of pride, local pride that I haven't seen everywhere in Ontario, and I feel like mm. Quebec. Nate, you know very well this as well, but I feel like, yeah, Quebec like. Lo- you know, fucking loves Quebec shit, and I, I, I love that they love that, and it, it's sort of this cool little thing that you can go and people are very excited to tell you about all the stuff that they have, and I feel like the smaller towns, and particularly Hamilton, whilst it's not a town, it's a city, and once again, third biggest, um, people have that little cool, you know, vibe about local pride, local pride, man, yeah. they're like. Yo, like, oh, you coming to my town? Like, and now, you know, what's interesting because I'm having people come and visit us. I finally have a place for people to stay here. People come through a town, like, let me take you around. This is this yeah. is dope. And I feel like people front a little bit because they don't, you know, they go to Toronto and we're like outside of Toronto. They want to come see us. Like, I'm coming to Toronto. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to Hamilton an hour. I'm like, nah, trust me, fam. Like, it's lit. Come through. Like, there's so much great stuff here. Oh, oh you, yeah, that's just one day. You could spend a, a day zipping around all the different breweries. Like, sweet. Then you can go to Niagara. Like, there's just so much, like, out here in this way. There's so much stuff to offer, I think. Uh, a city like this is so, like, it's growing, and all the people who can't afford Toronto anymore because that city's out of its fucking mind are coming out to, to Hamilton uh, and places like that to be able to have a more affordable lifestyle and stuff, but have all of the same amenities that this, that a larger city has with less traffic. Great coffee, great beer, great food, great wine, great shopping, all the things you need are here. I thought I would have to go to Toronto every week. We go once a month. And to see people, not right. to go and like, oh, I need the stuff that I can't get in Hamilton. You know, like I feel like I can get everything I need here, which is uh, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Fucking Hamilton. When are you moving here? Nate, what's going on? Nate, I mean, look, Nate's from <laughs> Burlington, just to be clear. Oh, oh it's true. It's I true. My, 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 my parents still live in Burlington. I saw them on the weekend. Oh, gonna, and then they're pretty frequently. <laughs> okay. <laughs> over Christmas. Nate's going to be here over Christmas. So we're going to do a it's little true. run. Awesome. Um, we'll see no, you in the room. Oh, yeah. Nathaniel Absolutely. Absolutely. He wants that Dock Street to London on tap. He's just like, I do, him. I do. He wants that nitro porter on a nitro tap. Are you going to get a nitro? Would you do that? Like a nitro tap or something like that at the brewery to do something like that? Oh, yeah. We've done it for years. Yeah. yeah. You have the nitro oh, oh, okay. tap years ago. Yeah. And then we had it again recently. And- oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Because I remember when we were hanging out, you were like, I saw the nitro porter. You're like, oh, that's a can. I was like, oh, okay. So I didn't realize that you had the tap. Okay. That's sick. Yeah. We sporadically have it on nitro tap. I just got to get around to switching over the tap. Mm. I feel like that is such a dope. Oh, that's dope. It's so money for a, a brewery that specializes in kind of mostly or a lot of British style beers. Like, even imagine Dark Streets on nitro. Yeah. Get out of town. Oh, Next, I've been I would, line, to try that. I would yeah. line up for that. Oh. I would line up for that. <laughs> Dude, that would be spectacular. I feel like if you did like a nitro version of that, like the porter make complete sense and it's a glorious beer and it's it, it's it's phenomenal. Even like arguably it's different, but arguably better even on the nitro, it's just such a fun experience. 
And then if you can do like an ESB on nitro, just to really deliver that kind of like super smooth, creamy, toffee, caramel. Oof, get out of town. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, beautiful. So then what's the, like moving forward, what's the sort of like the move from here? Like obviously there's a lot of, um, you got you got some great LCBO SKUs going on. You've got a lot of uh, core beers that are very popular that people always come into. You've got a lot of seasonals that people come through for. Um, is there, you know, is there anything kind of like that you're introducing in the, that, you know, maybe 2024 being that it's like, what's it like, you know, late November 2023 here? Uh is there anything coming into next year that folks can look forward to that uh, that maybe it's new, different? Yeah, good question. <laughs> well, we get we get asked a lot, just like a lot of the beers we make. Uh, hey, like the IPAs, uh, broke down palate is really popular. Uh, that's my kind of play on the the Grateful Dead, broke down palace. Uh, with an East Hamilton twist. Uh, yeah, but we get asked all the time, like, hey, when is that beer coming back? So that beer is coming back soon. Valhalla IPA we're about to do again. We uh, drank that from the tank, and that was uh, oh, yeah. just a murky orange, <laughs> like yellow milk, little glorious. Like, like I know we've only talked about porters and, uh, porters and ESBs and English beers and lagers, but... But I think we make some pretty decent IPAs too. Uh, nice. We'll try the artificial paradise, uh, which that batch turned out really nice. I think we should. Yeah. Do why it. don't Why don't we crack that one and to, to bring, bring it, it home. home? Bring it on yeah. home. So uh, yeah, I, I've always got ideas for new things. I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of maybe a little spur of the moment. I kind of just do things like I get an idea and then I. I talk to Greg, say, hey, let's make a label for this, and then we, we make a beer. <laughs> and most of the time, it turns out pretty good. Then that's what's up. That works. That's a good system. Yeah. Yeah. This um, – do you have that one there, Artificial Paradise? I do, yes. Now this is a six point eight percent IPA with Citrus Simcoe and Galaxy. Um, would you call this New England? I mean, it's looking to me. If I was to hazard a guess, I would say this is New England style. Yeah, well, basically, it, it it is. We don't label it as a hazy IPA because every time we do that, then it clears. <laughs> but it essentially might as well be a, a hazy and it's it's a hybrid basically of a west coast and an east coast okay and what was the difference i mean what was the west and what was is i guess east coast hops yeah well basically actually the yeast is the east coast because we do use vermont yeast okay mm, okay kind of vermont but then we're we're hopping it with uh the simcoe galaxy and citra gotcha which are pretty much all whirlpool hops. It does look pretty East Coast. Yeah, that's why I was asking. Like, it's pretty hazy. I definitely have not had this one before. You know, it's holding up really good because these are the last cans of this batch, which was packaged around the beginning of September. Okay, that's not bad. So it's like 
two yeah. months. Um, yeah, what's, it's a, a two-month mark. What's your uh, general... What would you say is like your... Uh, uh, that a beer like this would sort of like sit pretty nice for? Because I know, once again, every... You know, every brewery, every beer is, is different. Yeah, basically, like we want to sell through an IPA in a couple months, which is why we only have usually one or two, usually one really at a time going. Uh, so then, once as soon as this one's done, then we release another one. So we got about four or five that we rotate through now. Gotcha. Uh, Artificial Paradise, the Valhalla Kavike IPA, the Broke Down Palette Hazy IPA, which is essentially a double IPA. Mm-hmm. Uh, my old cl- favorite, Double Wide, I, uh, that's the West Coast IPA. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. My, my homebrew beers. Uh, that I, I speaking our language it. there. The what's it? I said you're speaking our language there. Oh, yeah. Man, oh, yeah. Know, <laughs> huge West Coast fans. Yeah. So that beer... Quick little history there. Actually, I brewed a when I was a home brewer. I did a what do they call it? Pro Am beer with Bose uh, back in 2012, 2011, actually, I think. And that was the double wide IPA. Okay. Did double you win like, double IPA? Was that when did you win like like one of the homebrew contests or something like that? That's what it was. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. awesome, man. Yeah. Um, and how did that one go? Did that get a commercial release? It did, yeah. That's back when Bose actually was pretty small. <laughs> uh, I went up there. And I remember my father came with me, and uh, we had a great time. That's why I got to know Steve and Matt pretty well. And gotcha. uh, they were only a 20 heck brew house. It's a tiny little brewery. <laughs> tiny by my standards now. <laughs> I mean, like. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that's like, back when they were rocking the 20, 20 heck brew house and had like about wow. eight tanks. Mm. And uh, yeah, we did double wide, uh, which was a really fun beer to make. And then 10 years later, I decided, you know, I, it's time to make it again, make it at my own brewery. And how did that go, go with the, your version? Good. Yeah. We I dug out the old Bose recipe and we just tried to brew it again. <laughs> Hell yeah. I actually took out the Bose one and was like, oh okay. Mm. This is great, man. This is like mm-hmm. I see what you mean, East meets West, because I'm definitely getting a lot of bitterness in here. Um it's more piney and dank bitterness than like that pithiness that was kind of more in the pinball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um super dry. <laughs> Yeah, um, sweet and and tropical, super juicy. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, um, it's great. I wish you could have had it when it was like a few weeks, a few weeks uh, after canning. It was delicious. It still yeah, is delicious. I'm, with with this kind of hot bell, I'm betting it was probably a bit punchier at uh, the, the the like uh, at a couple of weeks fresh, but it's uh, like but it's still tasting pretty damn good. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a nice beer. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, like, this is like um, a combination. Um, like, <laughs> no, super well, man. Like, th- this yeah. is like going hot. This is great. Um, 
I always I appreciate like an East meets West kind of situation. I feel like it's not the most common thing in the world, but when it's sort of like uh if you can sort of you know marry all of the different things, it's um yeah, it's it's definitely a fun thing to do and I feel like it's not as common as it kind of used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um which is great, but now yeah, this is good because I feel like now, like even if you look at these different beers, I feel like we've got a lot of the English, like you know, a couple of English, like the porter and the the ESB, then like a a lager, ISL, APA, and then now like a kind of East meets West to IPA. So a bit of like a pretty strong snapshot of of what you guys are doing. Um, yeah, this, like this is this I feel like pretty well represents what you guys are all about is that accurate yeah yeah so like coming in to say now like is there any sort of like uh, i know like you will talk about the like, different season you know, once this one wraps up then there's going to be another ipa to, the, the kavaik which i did try and it was fantastic like a real hazy kavaik ipa but it doesn't really it, it was like it's more just like hazy it was so hazy it was so murky which is uh great yeah well. Wicked, but it hadn't been like fully cold crashed yet. Then a lot of those hops will drop in, and then the the Valhalla we have a lot of El Dorado, Citroen El Dorado mainly in that one, which, which is, is great that. though. You get a lot of pineapple, yeah. Hell yeah, which is dope. Um, is there anything like you know that's coming next year that people should be aware of? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, French. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that means they got to stay tuned and and yeah, see what's yeah. happening. Um, no, man, this yeah. is great. Was there anything else we wanted to make sure that we got in tonight? We're sitting there, we're coming, you know, two hours, 42 hours, something like that, a little over. Um, was there anything else we wanted to make sure that we got in to touch on this evening, fellas? Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind talking quickly about our brewery of the year and a few things like that. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. It. So is this at the Canada Beer Cup? Okay, you know what? Let's take a pause. <laughs> we can take a piss. We'll be back <laughs> in a second. Oh, yeah, we are back. So, Mr. Clifford, uh, 2024, what should people look out for? What what are you going for? What's the vibes? What's exciting? What are you excited for personally? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I love these kind of questions. Right. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm just excited. The brewery, like, you know, we've been on an upward trajectory uh, pretty much since we opened and I'm very, feel very fortunate for that. And I mean, that's largely just based on, you know, making beer that I love. I know all the other employees too love, they love to make it, love to drink it. You know, our patrons do, uh, I don't know what I'm getting at other than basically, (laughs) you know, we're just trying, we're just doing our, doing our thing. Right. And uh, people that want to come and join in on it. That's, that's, that's really cool. The more we, everyone's welcome right the more the merrier and then we do we do a lot of live music at the brewery so i was about to say you had a cool stage yeah because actually a lot of uh like i'm kind of an old musician myself i used to play drums and my brother who's uh he does sound at the brewery and 
again, kind of a family thing. And basically a lot of the, the employees there are all, you know, musicians that play at the brewery time to time. And we book a lot of bands and uh, there's a lot of arts community. Just, you know, we're just kind of doing our thing. Right. And uh, the more people that get in on it, the better. Hell yeah, man. No, it's like a, it's a big space yet welcoming and, and it's cool. I'd love to see, I want to come down for like a, when there's a show, funnily enough, my barber is in a band and he was playing there. Um, his name is oh, Joel. He's a Stipley's uh, Baba on. Uh, well, I know exactly. Yeah, I know who Joe. Is. You know Joe. Joe's the man. He's a friend of Jesse's. Yeah, he Jesse, might even play his band. Does Jesse work at um, uh, Long and McQuaid? No, that's uh, Steve. Okay, so he's the guy who sold yeah. me these microphones. And it, when yes, when he, he sold, yes. showed me the photos, I was like, that's the fucking guy. Who sold me the-. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, And Joel's yeah. wife is Anne, and Anne started the first third wave cafe called The Cannon in Hamilton. It was the very, very first. So she had yeah. The Cannon, then she sold it. Um, so it's really cool just to see all the sort of like connections. I remember sort of in the summer, he was like, yeah, he's in di- multiple different bands. He was telling me that he was... Uh, doing the first gig for a particular band at Clifford. I was like, oh, sick, I got to get down there. And that was kind of what, like, nudged me. I was like, oh, man, I have to fucking get my ass down there. And um, yeah. it's very cool. Like, it, it's, a, it's a cool venue. It's, like, super, like, it, it feels like it'd be a fun one when the place is packed, everyone's drinking, there's a band playing. Like, it's a good time. Yeah, exactly. The place is packed. And, yeah, like, we do, like, you know, Americano, like, old school rock country blues uh punk rock uh yeah it's a good mix right basically just music that you know we all like obviously but (laughs) it's kind of that's kind of the vibe of the place right very cool man yeah i mean it goes with the with the style of the the products as well yeah exactly uh, so yeah it's it's a little community basically that's very dope man um, love to see it. It's very, very cool. Once again, you know, I'm just happy to see breweries from the town that I moved to are, uh, are slaying it and, and people are loving it and I'm happy to discover it. And, and like, you know, the beers tonight were exceptional. Like, you know, like my fate, like the, the lager, the, the porter and the, the ESB personally, I just, yeah, exceptional products, like truly exceptional Absolutely. products. Uh, everything well, is this is my personal faves. I imagine they you be you have some faves as well. No, I, it, those are my those are exact my three faves as well. Yeah, uh, I think the the Devil's Punch Bowl is great, and then the the the, the Hoppy beers are great as well. It's just there's something about that goddamn porter and the the ESB specifically. <laughs> those two, the darker beers, they just I don't know, they are just exactly where they need to be and. Nate and I both have a bunch of empty glasses next to us uh, from this. So this is oh, yeah. this is really cool, man. Like I really, we really appreciate your time and and hanging out and sort of, you know, oh, just okay. ex- breaking it all down, man, and telling us what you guys are doing. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing. I'm very very happy for you. You deserve all the success you put in the work from the beginning. And I hope that you know if maybe there's some aspiring brewers who are watching or listening and seeing someone like Brad, this is what he had to do. You had to go and you know, work with different companies and come up with these really creative ways to get experience, to get involved in beer, you know, 
I love it. I think it's just really cool. And I don't know how common it is to, to do all that, the, the stuff that you did to sort of, you know, get to where you're at. And I think it sort of shows in where you're at right now and the level of success and, and passion that people have here for, uh, and beyond Hamilton, of course. Uh, but you know, the, the, what people have for your product. And obviously the, the Porter is one of the most awarded beers in the whole country. And it's, it uh, is. it's spectacular for, you know, for a very, very, very good reason. So you, everything is much deserved. You've worked for it. The shit is fire, bro. Congrats. It's very, well, very you. cool. I appreciate Bravo, it. Bravo, sir. Yes. Get yes. that in there. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm. And with that said, uh, Uncle Bradley, where can everybody find Clifford online and in real life? You can order online through our website. What is that? Uh, Cliffordbrewing.com. Let's fucking go. Anywhere in Ontario. Anywhere. Almost anywhere. Almost anywhere. Brad will personally deliver it to Thunder Bay. He will drive. <laughs> I'm, only, I'm only joking because, uh, you know, we, we said Ontario wide, but there are some parts of Ontario that are hard to reach. Uh, we do our best. Our, our shipping company does our best, but uh, right, yeah, almost anywhere. Almost <laughs> a anywhere. Disclaimer. Yeah. And uh, what is it? Is it at Clifford Brewing on Instagram, Facebook, all that? Uh, yeah, CliffordBrewing.com on Instagram, Clifford Brewing on Twitter, on Facebook, and that's. Perfect. So you can go, people can go order. Hey man, it's all good. What time is it? It's, uh, it's, it's past everyone except my bed. Almost midnight? Yeah, 11.30. Yep. It's uh, everybody, uh, this is me, this is like dinner time, let's go. Um, oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're going to take a screenshot. Do you guys want to hold up uh, some cans? Oh yeah. Oh, oh my god, let me get that. Motherfucking nitro porter right here. Ooh, look at that dark streets. Yeah, let's go. Ooh, ding ding. Oh. Wait, ding wait. ding, motherfucker. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was dinging it against glassway. Here we go. All right, everybody. Gorgeous. Uh Brad, stick around. Uh, we're just going to wrap this up, and then we'll finish up uh, off air. But uh, thank you again. This has been uh, such a great conversation. Really appreciate. It. This is a lot of fun, man. Um, shooting the shit, crushing. The really shit. a genuine pleasure. Truly, oh, yeah. man. No, it has. It's been awesome. Yeah. I knew it was going to be good. Hanging out the other day, it was like, oh, we just ended up randomly there for like three hours. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is going to be. A I forgot to tell Nate. I was like, it's going to be a long pod, man. This guy's cool. As yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> um so really appreciate you man like it, it's very very cool um nathaniel where can everyone find you online sir uh you know you can find me everywhere on all the platforms that nathan does beer and right here at bas podcast okay. yeah goddamn right guys thank you so much for watching and listening if you enjoyed the episode smash the fummies hit that sub right there hit that notification bell ding so you can uh, know when all the new episodes drop. Follow us everywhere at BAOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio so you can hear attractive motherfuckers like Bradley Clifford talk about craft. My brother's name's Bradley, so I call him Bradley all the time. Actually, um, a little disclaimer. My name is actually Bradford. Bradford? Oh. Bradford. Goddamn. 
Wait, wait. <laughs> hey! That, is, that has been revealed here tonight to those who made it to the end of this podcast. Oh, wow. That is, that is phenomenal news. I grew up, oh, my, bro- my younger brother is Bradley. So my yeah. assumption and ignorantly assumed that there wasn't other versions of Brad- Bradford is, uh, I enjoy that name. I feel like that's strong. That's a strong name. You know what? We like now we get to say that there's an Easter egg if you like if you listen all the way to the end. I think we're gonna put that <laughs> in the description. And I yeah. feel like don't ever. I bet most people don't know that either. Only my close friends and family know that. You know what? I would suggest you to you, and you can. Okay, so I would say I would intro if I was you, I would introduce myself as Bradford. Hey, how you going? Bradford Clifford, no, how are you? Because there's a double foot. No, no, you got. Do you know what the funniest thing in the world? I when I first moved to Toronto, I met this dude, and he. I saw him do it to a real person in real life, and he he was like, "Hey, don't Carl Patrick Brown, how are you?" He said his whole middle name. Oh yeah, his first middle and last name to meet somebody, and I I was talking to my girlfriend about it like yesterday. I think <laughs> I bring, and this was like. 12 13 years ago and i still think about it imagine going up to someone you just met and you give them your first middle and last name that is so fucking funny so like say bradford clifford how are you i run a brewery in hamilton how are you i, I don't know I, it's just like it's fucking hilarious to me john clifford <laughs> there go. you go there you go so, so see here's the thing if you managed to listen all the way through this episode you can consider yourself a close personal friend of Bradford Clifford. <laughs> He's going to add you to the close friends on Instagram when he sends his stories. Bradford, <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, there's like, there's a flex in that of saying the full name. <laughs> you let me call you Bradley for damn near three hours, dude. <laughs> oh my God. I let everyone call me Bradley. <laughs> oh, I thought we were cool. I thought we'd spend enough time that you would tell me about Bradford. I actually I'm, like Uncle Bradley. I think it, gonna... Do you like that? Because like, I feel like I call people Uncle. I call my younger brother Uncle Bradley too. It's yeah. uh, it, it's he calls he calls me Uncle Nate all the time, and I'm like yeah. five years younger than him. Yeah, yeah. I I, I find yeah. it there's a, there's something amusing about it. You know, they're calling people Uncle. I like it, and I feel like it's respectful. And it, no one's ever mad at being called Uncle. Like, oh, someone called me that. Like, oh no, oh, fuck I yeah, bro. You are. I wish I was an uncle. I know you are, Nate. I wish I was an uncle. I, I have a. My brother has a turtle, a tortoise. <laughs> my tortoise. Uncle? That's as good as it gets for me. You know. Um, this is the best Easter egg ever, Bradford. Fuck, that is gangster. I love it. I love it. Uh, go into Clifford and ask for Bradford. <laughs> Tell him Baos sent you, okay? And then get a pour of the porter, and then tip well and enjoy yeah, that yeah. shit and enjoy the show and on that note i don't even remember where i was and everything but nothing else matters now we'll see you guys in the next episode cheers y'all cheers cheers